0: on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, it's Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicle, Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing tonight? Well, it's nighttime here for me, but anyway. I have... Interesting is, well, that's kind of an understatement of the word to be used for the guest that I have here tonight. Her name is Sonia Bross, and Sonia is a Maronite Catholic, charismatic, visionary, and spiritual warrior called 44 years ago to the service of God in the field of exorcism and deliverance uh, with over 40 years of training and acquired knowledge in metaphysics, witchcraft, magic and sorcery of all cultures and religions of the world she has been an active consultant to exorcist of the catholic church as well as deliverance pastors and ministers of all faiths for over 30 years she's the mother of two and grandmother of three sonia and her husband timothy reside in california with their three cats <laughs> so how are you doing tonight sonia i'm doing fine thank you for having me on Marlene. on the contrary it is my pleasure um Sonia, um, I'm going to ask you, because, like I said, even before we start recording, uh, that it's going to be such an interesting conversation with you, but I'm going to ask you what I ask everybody. Uh, what was your introduction into either the paranormal or the supernatural? Did you ever have an experience as a child, or what happened with you?
1: Well, definitely, yes. Um, you know, I really, I was born a charismatic. Um, we have charismatics going back through our bloodline all the way back. Um, I don't even know exactly how far I mean it's uh great great uncles uh great aunts grandmothers you know and and wow. all that um so I was really very aware, even when I was a little girl of spirits and what was uh, what was around me um my uh my first experience really was of God, and I was like two I was two years old. And uh, my, my parents were in the living room uh, practicing hymns for church, and they had left the door cracked open. I was in a crib in my mom's bedroom, and um, I saw this light. I woke up, and I heard the singing, and I saw this light against the ceiling and the wall. Of course, it was light coming through the door top, but when I saw that light, I knew it was God, and I just felt very comfortable, and I went back to sleep. Um, and it was really, uh, you know, then it kind of skips to perhaps I, I was around three or four or something, and I saw the first demon. Um, and uh, we, we grew up in a haunted house. My dad had bought this house from his cousins, and they had passed away. And uh, when they did, uh, they came back to the house.
0: Wow. <laughs> so they in other yeah. words they were still alive when they sold your dad the house but then later on right. when they passed away they they this was as far as they were mm-hmm. concerned that was their house still that's
1: of. right that's right and we never knew and my sisters and I we never knew it was my dad's cousins he didn't tell us that until we were you know up in our 40s and 50s I mean he wow. he yeah disclosed oh you mean the the ghosts? you know uh-huh. <laughs> you know he he would never admit it when we were growing up, and we would always tell him, you know, there's footsteps going up the stairs, walking through the, down, you know, where he, they come up the top of the stairs and then turn and go into the bedroom and then into the closet. And, you know, uh, so even as a little girl, I used to try to fight these things, you know, and I I grew up a Lutheran, so I didn't know anything about fighting any kind of spirits. But I would just try to bless them. I would always try to bless them, okay. um, and uh, they just never really took the hint, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we all <clears throat> we all had to kind of struggle through that uh, growing mm-hmm. up. And um, but you know, as I got older, I got more indeter- more determined um, to fight. And so I started reading books like *The Cross* and *The Switchblade*, and and. Uh, From uh, Pastor Wilkerson and different things like that, and I would speak to any minister, priest, or pastor that would listen for five minutes to ask a question. Most of them just basically would give me this little pat on the head, and they would basically say, "Oh, that's that's not a subject that." I was about to say,
0: "Yeah, they poo-pooed like, okay, like that's like no." I can imagine, yeah.
1: Well, if I'd have been wearing one, they'd have handed me my hat and pushed me out the door. So, <laughs> you know, as I got older and became a little more insistent, um, I, you know, I basically had some some of these ministers or priests and stuff, they would just turn their back and walk off. Or they just, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to hear anything about that. And they just walk really? off. But, yeah. So, you know, it, it was very frustrating uh, trying to learn originally because, you know, this was before Ed and Lorraine Warren wrote their books, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that. In fact, this was before I think they even started practicing on the East Coast, because when I actually began practicing, um, after I was graciously taught, you know, first by a Pentecostal minister, and then I started working with uh, some of the priests, and... um Uh, At that time, then, there's just me kind of in the heartland and on the West Coast and then Mm -hmm. uh, in Mexico. And uh, they were on the East Coast, and I didn't know about them until, uh, I think, uh, when they wrote their first book. I think it was like Tales of the Graveyard or something like that. Okay. And um, I was shocked and stunned. I was like, oh, my goodness, there's somebody else out here trying to do this work, you know. Um. But, you know, I was was just always very close to God my whole life. And so it just never, there was never any really other choice that I even wanted to make. And even as the new age began to come forward um, in the 70s, really, 60s and 70s, not so much 60s. That was kind of more of a spiritual awakening type of a thing with a lot of kids and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I went to Berkeley for a couple of months out there and, in California, um, you know, growing up in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I was very naive. Wow. Things I never used drugs or alcohol or anything like that. So I went out to see kind of what things were all about, and um, I just realized it wasn't really my cup of tea. It just wasn't where I was at, you know, uh, heart-wise. And, so, uh, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I went to a party with some friends. They said, oh, you know, we all got off work. I was working at Whole Foods at the time. And they said, um, hey, well, there's this party. And it's kind of an open door party. So you want to go with us? And I'm like, well, okay. You know, so we all dutted up and we'd get over there and and they walk up and they cruise in and I'm I'm like at the bottom of the steps and I was standing with one of the guys, He's he was a bagger he, that worked there, with me. And I said, there's something not right about this place. I said, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on here. And he said, well, let's just go up and we'll take a look. And I'm like, sure, okay. So we get to the top of the stairs and there was, <clears throat> I don't know how many steps, but they were cement. <laughs> and,
2: uh uh-huh. And
1: I... I could feel this whatever this energy just pushing me, trying to push me backwards off the steps. But we got up to the top of the of the uh, the door there, where the door was at, and um, there the the there was a screen door on the door. But then the other door was wide open, and my friend reached over and he opened up the screen door for me to walk through. And as my foot started to cross the, the threshold the door swung shut just <gasps> boom right in my Are you face serious I mean,
0: what you must have been yeah. okay all right this is not this is not just a feeling now <laughs> this no, is officially no, I'm know, not was, wanted here
1: yeah it was like bang you know and uh and just a few minutes uh later about a minute or so later this guy opens up the door and I was just like oh my god this guy's a satanist and he just looked at me and he said, you are not welcome at this party. And I have said, stay with me, I don't really mind, I'm just happy, I'll leave. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, like, I don't want to be here <laughs> anyway. Yeah, let's not pick a fight, I just want to, you know, I just want to ex down the door, you know, mm-hmm. uh, down the steps, and and so anyway, uh, he's, uh, uh, so my friend, Looked at me and he said well the other two people had gone in already and he said well i'm going to go in into- and i said okay and so he walked in and he uh told them that you know what happened and they just they came running out of the house all of all three of them and they're just like they couldn't get out of there fast enough and they said you won't believe what was on the walls and everything else oh my god it was just terrible and I'm like, Oh, trust me, I believe it. Let's just give this go. Yep. Let's you know you know, I think we ended up at a Denny's or something, you know mm-hmm. uh, you know, having having some uh food. But um and, and just talking about that whole thing that was so bizarre. But that was really the first time when I realized that not only did I recognize evil, but evil recognized me. Yeah, wow. So yeah, from you know, from that point on, um things got a lot more interesting um i say that lightly uh loosely whatever you know things progressed let's say
0: well (laughs) um i mean it sounds like um like and that that was a real good distinction that you made that you realized it's aware of me not that's just not it's just not me what i kind of like uh capture you know are aware of it's it's a two way street, so that must have been a real eye opener.
1: It was a real wake up call. Yeah, it was a real wake up call. You know, it was kind of like uh, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, The Prophecy, you know? Yes. When the guy meets the devil and he says, Leave the lights on, Thomas, right? Oh, you my. Know? It was like that. When I first saw that movie, It was I just so identified with that movie
0: because. I me mean, tell you just something. Thought, that was a real, that was like, you yeah, know, fabulous. that was like. Uh um because especially in movies, you know, you always want the, the, the finality of the end, but that was so open ended, like leave the lights on, yeah. which is like this is not over, this is not over and done with.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. No, you know, and uh I just you know, I I really uh liked that movie a lot because I think the and I forget his name right now, it's unfortunate, because he's such a good director and screenwriter and, and wrote the story. But uh he just did such a, a top drawer job with that, with that movie, mm-hmm. because so much of what I experience is not exactly like that, of course, but I mean, it, it, there was a underlying truth in that movie okay. that I grasped, you know, so, um, and it really was the, the last statement where he said, well, maybe, you know, it's just your, it's your faith, you know, it's you have to be you know, as a man, this is all we have, and you know, but with God, it's strong enough, you know, and that's really something I've kind of stood on for years, and I still do to this day, you know, because truth is, I don't really know anything, Marlene. Um, well, you know I'm what, not and psychic,
0: you know? I, I think part of that movie, you know, obviously, it's a movie, it's, it's a, it's a, it, I like it also, especially the first one, that first one. Yes, uh, the what, first one, what, yes you know, one of the underlying themes about it is that you almost see that there's this continuous um, war between good and evil that goes mm-hmm. on around people. And yep. sometimes they're totally unaware of it until it kind of like, you know, drops oh, yeah. into their lap, like what happened? Well, what wouldn't happen with the characters. Otherwise, it wouldn't be interesting. But almost like, let's say, uh, let's use the character of Virginia Madsen, the schoolteacher, you know yeah. here she is mm-hmm. she's just a normal lady she's a nice lady she teaches children on a reservation and you could tell she's mm-hmm. just she, she loves her kids and then yeah. everything just she and this had been going around on around her all the time and then everything changed when all of a sudden you get that awareness or um that time that she goes outside and you know the 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 guy that plays the devil you know, Satan confronts her and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, you know, and this is really the thing, you know, is that I think in so many ways, this is exactly what happens to so many people. You know, uh, a lot of the TV shows and uh, whatnot that are on and the ghost busting and all this Mm -hmm. type of thing, you know, they, they make it seem like, you know it's no big deal we're just going to go in there we're going to holler around we're gonna yeah. force these things to act or to talk or to do whatever whatever you know i will say that if you've ever really encountered true evil
2: mm-hmm.
1: you don't do that lightly oh absolutely and you don't not. you know you just because you know that the, it, it just never really leaves you it's like one of these things that you mm-hmm. cannot unsee. You cannot unfeel it. No. You'll never be the same. No. It, you know, and um, every time I take a case, um, and I and I have quite a few cases going all the time, but I've had cases going for five to seven years in some cases. You know, I mean, there's still people that, but um, the um, it just never leaves them. Once they once they have something. It's right, that that once that, it's
0: that even, right, that right. and 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 that's something that I think you pointed out as far as like a lot of these shows that people sometimes they go into some of these places and what's really there is either malevolent or diabolical, and somehow or other they want to be you know they challenge all the stupid stuff sometimes that they do, <clears throat> and they you know people are under the the impression that that's it, I'm leaving, that's, this is over, okay, yeah, oh, it was great, wow, what a wonderful time. And depending on nope. what you basically contacted or challenged to open the door to, mm-hmm. you might be through, but it might not be through with you.
1: Well, that's exactly right. You wouldn't believe how many phone calls I get from Ghostbusters. Yes. Say, Something followed me home, and now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as far as I know, and I, I could be wrong about this, but I think I'm probably one of the only people that... Sends out exercised oil and salt in the country um, that is actually blessed by uh, a Roman Catholic exorcist, a uh, designated exorcist. Um, I always make sure that I send that out. I have other blessed items that I send, uh, rosaries, medals, all kinds of different mm-hmm. things. And I send, uh, I have uh, instructions for basically do it yourself or how to help yourself right. with right. these things because there's only one of me and I just can't travel anymore like I used to. No.
0: Um, and I think also, <coughs> I mean, I understand that, you know, as far as the intercession of somebody like yourself, mm-hmm. that is got the experience. But at the same time, I also think psychologically for somebody that finds himself, for them to feel empowered, not to feel that helpless exactly. feeling, I think exactly. has a lot to do with it. Um, you know,
1: and... And I really wish people would quit blame-throwing. You know, I wish they, you know, not, you know, it's like if something happens in a house and it's like one person notices it and everybody else is like either, if they don't see it, it's like, oh, you're crazy, you're imagining this, you don't know what you're talking about. Or let's just say that this person... um you know, got into some New Age stuff a little bit, or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, into some spirit thing and this and that. But, you know, the thing is, what they don't realize is that demons don't need an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, need an excuse, you know. They just need to take an interest in someone. And a lot, a lot of the time, um, uh, the person might just simply have a very pure spirit. They may Mm -hmm. just have a very pure uh, heart and uh, naivete and whatnot, and they're not realizing that they have a light, a glow about them Mm -hmm. that attracts, you know, uh, curious entities um, on on many different levels, you know. Usually, uh, I don't really see, in in most cases, that demons are the first thing that... that, uh, is attracted. Demons get attracted when they notice groupings around a person a lot of times as well, yeah. or they can emanate from a home or from a, a, a property, land, whatever, um, and there's so many different types of entities that we have absolutely no idea of what they really are. You know, I've probably read every metaphysical book I could lay my mm-hmm. hands on over the many years, and. I have like a library of 1,800 volumes plus. Wow. Um, that was the last inventory, so I don't even know how many there are. But I study everything from symbology to to uh, you know the uh, the cultural uh, aspects of spiritualism, whether it's all around the uh, you know all around the world really. Right. So you know it it's a an eye opening. Uh, experience how many different cultures deal with uh different uh problems like this you
0: know, well, yeah and, some of them are very and this effective. is the thing you're you're absolutely right. a lot of people don't realize everybody thinks of it as from the judeo christian perspective because of right hollywood right. you know the 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 priest and the rites of exorcism and the the Catholic the Bible. church but you're yeah. right even pre you know pre- christian times uh cultures from around the world or civilizations. Exactly. Had some type of reference to dealing with this type of spirits, if you want to call them that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't have mentioned sorcery and magic mm-hmm. and witchcraft and all that in in the Old Testament. You know, I mean, that kind of thing was going on back then, and um, a lot of these different uh, religions and and uh, you know early. Uh, people tribal people and stuff i've never worked with any tribe that didn't have a long history of spiritualism um and you know whether they were uh there's always there's always a balance of good and bad Mm -hmm. you know every tribe i've ever talked to whether they're whether it's native american or Maori or or african or any of the groups that i've talked to and worked with uh, especially the, like the Latin American I've worked a lot with the Latin American people and I uh, love them dearly because they're such—they're so committed to their faith um, but you know whatever they're into they're very committed to so right. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's the opposite that you're fighting in and they're just as strong in that too you know but um, yeah you know this goes back forever I mean it I, it just wasn't just born with the Hebrew Bible. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. just born with the original Bible. Um, and, uh, you know, but, you know, I think people need to realize that there's a balance of everything in this universe. And if there's light, there's dark. And if there's good, there's bad. Mm-hmm. And if there's, you know, true, true good, there's true evil. Yes. Um, so, there you know, is. I I just advise people, you know, people are going to be curious, and I'm not going to say they shouldn't be. I'm just going to say, use a little caution, you know. Use a little common sense. If it doesn't feel good to you, turn around and walk away.
0: Yes. You know. And it's surprising how many people don't follow their instincts or their gut or just dismiss it as their imagination. yeah um, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I'm it's like there's absolutely times that's exactly what you need to do Yeah. whether it's do you want to call it a sixth sense or something on a subconscious level that you're aware of mm-hmm. that's telling you like for the for like self-preservation purposes get out of here um,
1: exactly common sense
0: yes common yeah. sense exactly exactly you know
1: uh, i mean that's kind of when you know you're sane you know yeah
0: yeah and you know what and the thing Mm -hmm. is this you know how do you know you dodged the bullet if you're not there to you know if you dodged it there's no way for you for you to ever let's say find out well did I do the right thing sometimes yeah you do find out for some reason later on you come across something you realize wow I'm glad I left that place but there's other times that you follow a hunch Mm -hmm. or your gut feeling and there's no way to ever prove that that was a smart thing to do in the sense that um but uh there,
1: there, there kind of is because you're still here oh right exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you're still
0: here you're still here or you know, um or sometimes like i said sometimes events happen to other people that you realize yeah. man i was there or i did that or wow
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah it, it wasn't i lucky that i turned around that day and went back home you know or whatever oh, yes. yeah you know i mean the thing the thing really is that people need to trust their judgment mm-hmm. a lot you know they need to look more you know a lot of a lot of people that don't Trust their own judgment. Have, you know, kind of a a low self-worth, or they a lot of times they feel inferior to other people, so they'll just kind of go with group because they don't want to turn around and say be the odd man out. Yeah, you know, and that sort of thing, you know. But but I would tell them this: if you feel that way, you need to trust yourself. You need Mm -hmm. to trust your own judgment. You know. Maybe, maybe it is just a fear, and it's not a reality, but you know you're the only one living your life exactly every person on this earth has a different perspective of every single thing exactly. that happens, so exactly. you just need to trust your own instincts and your own your own personal judgment if you're not ready for something, if you're really fearful of it, then either. If it's something that you need to overcome your fear on, like, for example, maybe a, a phobia of some kind, right. that's one thing. But if it's something like this, where it kind of comes at you kind of a sixth sense sort of way, just follow your instincts and step away from it.
0: Because, yeah. you know, if you feel that way, you should just probably right. There's nothing left. wrong with... Um, no, nope. it, it like, OK, well, it doesn't make sense. Or it's just my imagination. OK, well, you know what? Maybe it's not your imagination. It's just something that you can't quantify because you can't. But in other words, trust your instincts. And we're not talking yeah. like you said something about fears or phobias that, you know, like, OK, I know I'm scared of this when I shouldn't. It, that's a totally different scenario. We're not talking about the same thing here. Um, no, people not and also people into, underestimate well, their ability to be aware of danger on both on a physical and metaphysical level.
1: Well, and you know a lot of that too is just the way they're raised. Yeah. You know a lot of cultures. You know, there's a lot of cultures out there that <clears throat> once the um, once the uh, Inquisition kind of happened. <clears throat> excuse me, Marley. Um, once the Inquisition kind of happened and all of that, you know, a lot of the churches really downplayed. Anything to do with the devil, they downplayed witchcraft, they downplayed all of that. They didn't want to talk about it, they didn't want it to mention it, they didn't they never brought it forward. And so a lot of people never really learned what they needed to know. You know, they would read the Bible and they would see the devil mentioned again and again in different things. But when they would go to, say, Bible study or whatever and they would bring it up, a lot of times it was really dismissed out of hand. And the the parents thought they were doing the right thing by telling their kids, well, it's just your imagination. You don't really, you know, you're not, uh, you know, don't let your imagination run away with you, this sort of thing. I mean, my dad did that to us, you know. And then here we are in our 40s and 50s, and we're saying, well, you know, the only thing that was really tough growing up in that farmhouse out there, because we were way out out in the country on a ranch and farm, Mm -hmm. um, we said we're the we said, we're the, and dad goes, ghosts? And we just all stopped talking. It was like a little family reunion. We all just stopped talking. We looked at my dad and we said, what? You, what? <laughs> you know, what do you mean, ghosts? You, you told us all our lives that we were just imagining all this stuff. And, and he said, I didn't know what to tell you. I didn't, you know, he said, I, I couldn't explain it. And I, I always thought it was my cousins and I'm pretty sure it was because they never harmed anybody. They just made a lot of racket. But he said, um, what was I supposed to say? <laughs> you
0: <know? laughs> well, you know what? And yours is not the first story I've heard of stuff like that, that things go on. Yeah. And then after everybody moves on and the kids have grown up, then mm-hmm. people fess up. They had their own experience. And especially the parents will say the, I didn't want to scare you guys. And I think to myself, yeah. you know what? That's pretty tough on a kid. <laughs> yeah, like... just, you know, you
1: know, the parents really, what they really should have done at that point in time was, you know, maybe... I don't know. My mom used to walk around the house in the middle of the night reading the Bible out loud, and when she did, everything quieted down. Right, I feel and like that... She knew how to do, you know. She didn't know anything else to do. But she and was it wasn't that... Th- and,
0: and I'm thinking, you, as a child, you're thinking, okay, something's mm-hmm. got to be going on. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if my mom is walking around the house, not that she's reading the Bible per se, but it's like she's walking around the house reading the Bible... Okay, her, well, her intent was to deal with whatever was going on.
1: Yeah, well, the first time I heard her do that, I think I was probably about eight years old or so, and I asked her. I went, I, I went out to the stairway, and as Mom was passing the stairway, I, I yelled down, I said, Why are you reading the Bible? And she said, Well, because I just think it's healthy for the house. If I go and I read the Bible at night, it helps protect the house. And I, I just knew. I knew instinctively what she meant. I already knew mm-hmm. what she meant. The next day, I talked to her and I said, I said, oh, thank you for doing that because it was really scary that night, you know. And she said, Yeah, I, I woke up with kind of an un, unease myself. She said, but she never, she never talked about the ghosts either. Right. But yeah, we couldn't even have sleepovers. They'd call their parents at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning really? and tell them to come and get... Oh, yeah. So this was yeah. pretty
0: consistent then, huh? Oh, yeah, constant. <laughs> it was constant And what do you think, night. looking back, what do you think was going on with... Well, <laughs> you later found out with your cousins. <laughs> what do you think? Was it just that, that that they were just... That this had been their house? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, I I think they were just reliving things that they had done in life. and.
0: Okay. But it's still scary when you're a kid.
1: Yeah, the wife would... She would be work. She would be walking around in the kitchen at night, um, and uh, the man would come upstairs. and I don't know if it was the husband or if it was maybe their son or something that slept up there. I don't know. But um, you know, uh, I I knew they weren't going to do anything to me, but I also felt that them being there without me fighting them could attract. Because that's when you know, when I was very little I'd seen that demon and I saw the demon in the coal room of our house. What? Um, yeah. So my my sister my my older sister, she's ten years older than I am, she used to have to take care of me a lot and I suppose I was just putting up a fuss, I don't know what and she she threatened me by saying I was gonna put you I'm gonna put you in the coal room if you don't stop oh. whatever it was I was doing. And um So she did, and I was probably in there just for a few seconds, you know, it's not like my sister was mean to me, but, you know, she pushed me in, and she shut the door, and there were no windows in the coal room, you know, just a coal chute that, you know, had a metal door on it, so it was completely black in there, and I saw a figure blacker than that black at the very end of the room, and it started to come towards me and i remember not making a sound and my sister then opening the door and she took me out of there but i knew it it three i mean i knew what i saw i knew what it was and from that point on i didn't want to give it any excuse to think that it too could come upstairs or that it too could uh you know be problematic
0: That's so you that was the only time you you encountered it was just I I imagine you you, going to that room was not on your list of things to do. It was like
1: no, no, even though, you know, there wasn't one of our one of the girls, not even one of the girls that wanted to be in the basement by themselves. You know, basements, you know, in, in many years later, you know, as I studied physics and all of that sort of thing. Whenever you put a wound into the earth, in other words, like, yes, a basement, oh, like my a God, thank hole. God
0: you're talking about that. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: You put a wound into the earth and the earth is going to initiate a vortex to try to heal that. In other words, it wants yes, to it fill does. that space, right? Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons why you have so many spiritual problems around cemeteries, because you've got all these graves and there's six feet deep. There are holes in the earth and then. You, even though you put a casket in, there is, oh, there's empty space, so to speak, somewhat in that casket. So the Earth is going to try to fill that by using a vortex. And what that, that vortex is, that spins, it pulls in a lot of other maybe unsuspecting entities. Yes. Um, so you get you just get a lot of entity action around any place that has a wound in the earth and whether it's a basement uh, and this is where I tell people to take the exercise salt and salt down their basement and bless their put some of that salt in in some uh, water in a spray bottle and spray their plumbing pipes um, use the exercised oil to anoint their electrical box if it's down there anoint some of the pipes uh, keep that stuff from moving uh, from pulling so we shut down the vortex so
0: that also know, happens I believe also when people dig wells.
1: Yeah well, absolutely you need to shut you need to on the top of that well you need to bless that well with with exercised oil and you need to, to uh you know in most cases putting salt there is not gonna help. But what you can do is you can put a metal you can use super glue or whatever and you can put a blessed metal onto that well head um, and you can anoint that wellhead with exercised oil, and that does stop a lot of the problems and If you have a pipe coming from there to the house, you want to anoint that pipe because that way you don't get the effects of whatever's being pulled into that vortex coming through that pipe into the house. you know right. I handled a case like that just this just, just this year in Connecticut where it was definitely uh coming up from the well
0: into the home and uh the whole family was just scared out of their wits you know sure and and i tell everybody I, yeah, well here in south florida uh we don't have basements because there's just it's right. the it's the soil is we By have a table right it's it's yeah. it's uh we have like uh coral stone and limestone you know you just can't dig you'd be like digging for like three months to get <laughs> to dig a basement so it's not you don't have it but you hear all the time of every almost every story i've ever come across that I have to do it's there's something always creepy going on in the basement and it's like this yeah. is no coincidence folks um,
1: oh yeah you know that that's the thing you know um i uh when i was about 18 i did my first vision quest with frank fool's curl, you know because he he lived right down in bear butte South Dakota, and we lived. We were right on the southwestern edge of North Dakota, so we were very close to South Dakota. (coughs) And my mom um, was on the civil rights commission for North Dakota, um, and so she had met him. And um, so anyway, uh, she took me down, and she had had some business down there, and she introduced me to him. um, And he asked. Mom, he said, you know, if your daughter's interested, he said, she might want to come back when she's 18 and and do a vision quest with me. Actually, really, never really heard of a vision quest. She didn't really know what that was. But, but Frank was such an upstanding person. He was so kind, and he was, you could just feel the really beautiful energy around him. It was uh, really phenomenal. Uh, And I'm like pulling on her sleeve going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to come, you know. Uh, so when I was 18, that's what I did. And that was a very illuminating experience because, you know, I don't remember everything he, he taught me that day, but I remember the one thing he told me was that wherever, wherever there were wounds in the earth and whether they were natural from an earthquake or whatever, that those were power spots. He would tell. He told me they were all power spots because the earth was pulling. It would try to pull energy in to fill those cracks or those holes or those,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, areas. And um, as I got older and I began to study things like physics and whatnot, it it made so much sense to me that um, that that's what was happening on a metaphysical level. You know. Yes. Yes. Um,
0: and people but don't yeah, realize that, uh, and um, a lot of these really, uh, some of these houses sometimes also that, that are bigger, They, I mean, the if they've got caverns or mines or anything underneath them. Oh, they, yeah. That's e. like, that's what you get in neighborhoods <laughs> that sometimes it's <laughs> like, yeah, everybody on the block is having a, oh, yeah, yeah, because they used to have some mines shafts running all along yep. underneath the town. It's like, <laughs> there you go.
1: You and you, you get up and you come out, you, you got to go to work and you open your, now this really happened, you got to go to work and you open up your garage door and your car is halfway in a sinkhole
2: oh, because yes. of the mine
1: shaft below it.
2: Yes. You
1: know, uh, Tim and I actually rented a home in Colorado Springs and it was right above this whole mine shaft area and almost every neighbor had sink, uh, sinkage problems. Um, this one guy, you know, he ended up it, like I said, his car was halfway into this sinkhole can, in you,
0: Can his you imagine? Garage. You come out and it's like, where'd it go? Well, yeah. up in Central Florida here, they've had problems with sinkholes. Exactly, that's oh, happened yeah. where people mm-hmm. come out and they've got a big, giant, gaping hole in their front lawn yeah. and or in their street. Yeah, out here too. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's it can <laughs> happen. It, I mean, it, even without I mean without the benefit of mining is what I'm saying that sometimes things like yes. that do happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. The water erodes the limestone, and then away you go. You know, yeah. We have there's sinkholes out here all over the place too. I mean, I think that's just a natural thing. You know, but you know, I I uh, I just you know, I love walking. I I just love the the land. I love going out on the land and and uh, just being there and uh, seeing things. You know, when when people call me out. To do a house or whatever before I ever do anything with the house at all. Uh, now I can pull the place up, the address or whatever up on Google satellite. And yes,
0: I can. I can... See, you know. Let me ask you something, um, Sonia. So, going back to the story you said, here you are, you're, you know, you're kind of, it almost sounds like you're blossoming into your knowledge and at the same time you're realizing well guess what they're aware of me what what happened you you kept on how did you get into this because this is a very unusual work to be involved in
1: well you know it was when i was working with the um, uh... when i i began going to the pentecostal church you know, there was a prayer service that night, um, and I went with my dad's the other cousins. These were life cousins. <laughs> um, they were incredibly gracious people, uh, wonderful people. And uh, my son and I went to the prayer meeting with them. And I was watching the minister, and I was seeing what he was doing. And at the, in um, and, and I knew I knew he was actually doing it. I knew it was actually happening. So he then he asked if anybody wanted to uh, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I had read about that in uh, The Cross and the Switchblade. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I went up and I, he prayed over me. Um, and as the Holy Spirit just flowed into me, the that's when my true gifts from God just really blossomed, and that's when I knew. And the minister knew as well. He, you know, he was, uh, over the next uh, week or two, you know, I met with him off and on quite a few times, and and I started talking to him about my experiences. I realized he believed what I was telling him, and he understood it. And not like did he understand it, but he could actually guide me in, okay. in yeah, in my field of work. And so, that was um, I think that was really when I became truly dedicated to this work. And I was 29 years old.
0: And the reason why I say I say this, why I asked you that, is that a pe- just a lot of people that, whether they go into some type of ministry or, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever their their religious beliefs are. Yes. but they shy away from this type of uh, work as far as within their religion. Almost like what you were describing when you were young, that you would try to get all these answers from all these ministers. Makes me wonder mm-hmm. how many of them uh, shooed you away, but in reality, they were kind of scared, like, this, this was, I don't want to go into that. Um, and that's why I'm saying that in and of itself uh, is unusual because um, a lot of people think that just because you're religious or whether you're a priest or whatever um, that you're automatically going to want to do battle with evil that's not the case there's a lot of people no. that are very good at what they do when let's says when it comes to ministering to people or helping them or right mm-hmm. but this is like i don't want to have anything to do with that if i can help it
1: well it, you know it's just not their calling exactly it's not their calling you know i mean you know it's just like any other job for example i mean you can okay you can be an office worker but what what are you are you an accountant are you you know a treasurer or are, are, are you a a data um, you know person you know are you i t uh what do you do are you an office manager or you know um and each person has their calling so to right. speak or their their gifts their their where they're meant to be um, yeah you know I mean see i I knew from the time I was a little girl this right. is what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, I've, I've met with so many fantastic ministers and pastors and mm-hmm. priests that are true shepherds. I mean, they're true uh, path to the people. They are very pastoral. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, this is a really intricate calling. There's so much you have to know. There's so much you have to learn. And, you know, so many of the priests like Gary Thomas and, you know, Chuck Kelly here and uh, Father Sedano, and uh, all the different priests that I know that I work with all the time, you know, they they really didn't really have any knowledge. They just simply were asked, right. you know, will you go do this? And then their training began after that. And that's the way it is with most of the exercises in the Catholic Church, um, and even in the ministry, uh, pastoral ministry or whatever of the other religions, um, you either have, you know, if if it's your calling, you're almost, in a way, uh, the first thing that happens to you as a child is that the discernment of spirits. You just began to realize that there are other things out there. Mm -hmm. And then um, you're brought forward, Uh, as uh, over the years Um, and uh, so to do this actual work you know I realized early on that I was really ignorant because you know I didn't grow up around any of this stuff there wasn't no we we didn't have any metaphysical books in our house we didn't know it have any anything like that and when I got to college and um I couldn't even believe there was a section in the, in the college <laughs> library. That had to do with stuff that, like this. Yeah, that had to do with metaphysical stuff. So I started reading anything and everything I could find, you know, whether it was uh, Rudolf Steiner or whether it was Madame Blavatsky or whatever, mm-hmm. I was like looking at all this stuff. The interesting thing, though, is is that God would just, I would read this, that, and this, that, and I'd know that was true. And then I'd read this other, and I'd be like, "Uh, you know, that's bunk." You know, and I just mm-hmm. put the book back on the shelf. You know, so I would get a little wisdom out of each one of these books. Um, they did the best they could, but you know, none of us is uh, omnipresent <laughs> when it comes oh. to our knowledge of metaphysics. When people say they're an expert in metaphysics, so you just want to
0: no. honestly.
1: I just big t- sigh.
0: Well, I think that most people, especially like you said, as far back, let's say as Madame Blavatsky, you know, Mm -hmm. even the information that they have, they're always uh, affected by their upbringing, by their background, by the belief systems of that time period. Even if they, you know, she was talking about something that was really outside of the norm, but still she was a product of her generation up to a certain point and her environment and her upbringing. And I think that oh, that's why. And it, you made a good point that when you read all these books, sometimes you find something that's worthwhile, and then there's other parts of it that you go, "That's just not my fit. I don't. Or I That doesn't sound right to me." That's what you're saying. Not everybody's true. got the 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 hundred percent. You know the uh. This is it. You know from A to Z. <laughs> there's yes. a lot we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know. Well, um,
1: see, the thing is, you're writing, If you're writing a book like that, you know. You're, you're going to open yourself to conjecture, because it, you, we can't see what we're talking about. Uh-huh. We know or we feel we have certain instincts, we have certain understandings, maybe based on what we've read prior, that somebody else uh, took the time to sit down and write the best they could. Right. But, you know, at some point, our conclusions in these books are based on conjecture because right. the truth is we just don't know exactly and that's 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 the truth of it we just don't know i mean i i've been doing this work for so many years and i can tell you right now almost every single day there's
0: something comes up and i have to say i just don't know i don't know yeah and that's and you, <laughs> i have to laugh so it because believe it or not there's a lot of people out there, so-called experts. I have a really hard time saying those words. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like it's what I, I, know, why. I know why. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, can, I don't know. I can find out. I don't know. It's like I mean, it's like what's wrong with saying I don't know, especially about something having to do with it, the supernatural or the unseen world, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I know, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I you know, if, if your, if your higher self is pulling down information Mm -hmm. you know we have the ability to soar out there and see things or understand things a lot of times maybe we don't even know we're doing it Um, but you know you do you have to say it's from some master higher you know uh, dimensional master just say it's you okay just say this is this, is, this is what hit me though. the other
0: day when I was writing. You know? I have to laugh because I mean, it's like, what is this? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know,
1: I mean, you know, it's just like a lot of these books and they, it, 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 oh no, they're wisdom because they're channeled from this higher Akashic being, net, 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 net. and I'm just like, oh, come on. Yeah. just, Just tell people, this is, this is what you were sitting down thinking about and, and just, Put it down there, you know, because when they start saying it's all channeled from this higher being or whatever, then, in my book, it should be all correct. If this, per, if this, if this guy or this thing or this whatever, if this person is the real thing, okay, right. then what he's writing or or they're writing that he's saying or whatever, it should be a hundred percent correct. If it's yeah. not. Go to another being, okay, because, you know, you're getting that straight, straight scoop. You know, everything that I do comes from God. Everything I know that when I'm talking to people, not just like when we're talking right now, because I'm just being me, and I don't know it all. But when God comes through me to advise a priest or something like that, everything that comes through me is 100% correct or else I would not be considered a charismatic for the church. Right. You know, I'm not psychic. I can't think this stuff up on a, on a dime. And believe me, God is much more eloquent, a speaker, than I am, and has a, 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 just an amazing vocabulary and amazing knowledge and wisdom and, and, and stuff that comes through. Um, and uh, if the conversation's taped, I'll... I'll i'll listen to it myself later on and
0: go wow that's that was brilliant <laughs> that was me talking it, it came through and let me ask you something sonia i was looking Nobody, at that but... that book that you wrote the curse of el diablo mm-hmm. and i looked and this was something that you were involved with for several years Was oh
1: yeah it? yeah 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 this this was uh <clears throat> yeah this was really something else uh we, uh, we you know, a, a minister friend of mine called me uh, and asked me if I would help him. Uh, he saw some things down in Morris, uh, in this clinic that just, uh, my friend was a spiritualist minister, okay. but he was a truly ordained minister, uh, and he had a really deep faith in God. I mean, a lot of miracles happened around him all the time. He was a great guy. Um, and he called me up and he said, you know, there." this place needs help. It needs help. I can't give it because I just don't know what to do. But he said, I really love these people and I really want to see them uh, on a better uh, footing and and, um, I want this uh, to go away, whatever's going on here. And so uh, I went down and and, uh, he and I worked down there for 10 days the the first time. Um, And uh, it was It just took everything I'd ever known, everything I've ever read, everything I ever thought of, and every bit of God's wisdom uh, that He could offer me. Um, Copious notes. Um, I only had uh, about a month or two to prepare for this, and Mm -hmm. um, the priest, you know, my priest even told me, he said, You're not going to get any help from the diocese down there. They're not going to want to take this on. This is ongoing. Sorcery. its ongoing magic. It's—it's it's of the worst kind. Um, and so, he was right because when I got down there, I contacted the diocese and said, "No, we don't want anything to do with it."
0: Are you serious? But what was yeah. it? Because oh, yeah. it had been going on for so long, they didn't know how to handle it. They were scared.
1: What? We yeah, because you know the the thing is, they was, this was a fight between two brujos, and these guys were not just brujos. They were what Carlos Castaneda calls men of knowledge. Mm-hmm. They were true. Toltec warriors, they were, these guys were amazing, um, they just had, they had years and years and years of experience and uh, what they knew, they they weren't like some uh, Veracruz, you know, uh, guy advertising, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Brujo things. These guys were doctors, they were legitimate doctors, um, medical school, all that, and they were brilliant. And one was very jealous of the other one. They had been best friends, and then the Francisco, the one that uh, that his family that I worked with, he actually turned his life to God. He actually was exorcised from his demons, and he turned his life to God. And the other um, and began to do incredible healings. And the other Brujo got very angry and arranged for a way to kill him and he did um however francisco being an actual sorcerer being an actual toltec warrior did not leave his body died but he was still there
0: at the clinic so this you was really hear, this is this was not like this is like i, I want to kill you literally
1: yeah Whoa. i mean they and they tried they tried when we were down there um they tried several different times to kill me and to kill i was about todd. to say
0: he must have been yeah, on the crosshairs no.
1: oh it was terrible i mean todd in, did end up dying from spiritual wounds that he received because at the very end the we met the other brujo and he was perfectly possessed Wow! and i'm telling you right now that was for me the epitome of evil i've never I, you know, in all the experiences I've had, I've, there have been some really, really horrible ones. But I have to tell you, that was the worst. I was right in the same room with this guy, and he literally—he moved like a snake. He—he's—he had this smirk. Uh, it was just unbelievable. I wanted so badly to just run my human self dead, but the other part of me that does this work, I just. Go into the heart of Christ, and you know I stood my ground uh, because God was with me because that was the only thing I could do, but I, and the only thing I was going to do I wasn't going to 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 run, but it was a really horrendous experience, and um, yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anybody.
0: Well, that was really something. The thing is that because. I'm sure that in in a lot of many of the cases that you've handled yeah let's say you do have something that's dark spiritually but you don't have to be looking over your shoulder in case somebody wants to come and run you over with a car but from what you're talking about here (laughs) you had it from on the spiritual level but also on the physical where that's right that must have been what
1: that's, that's right and that went on for years I mean it You know, it took me 20 years, Marlene, to write this book. 20 years, because I just could hardly get near the subject matter. I mean, I had put the whole story, I I had all these notes, but I put it all on tape. Everything Mm -hmm. on tape, I I used up, I think there was seven or more, seven or eight 120-minute tapes. I put that whole story on tape, and I did it right away because I knew I needed to write a book about this. I had no idea it was going to take me twenty years to be able to actually get that
0: written. And I kept trying. Did you understand that this, what you were up against, once you got there? When was it you really said, "What is going on here"?
1: Well, you know, right after he called me, and I said, "You know, I wanted to say, oh no way!" (laughs) You know, I really did. I (laughs) wanted to run. And I and I opened my mouth, and I said, sure, I'll come. <laughs> and I just and I was, like, clapping my hand over my mouth. Like, like what? what? You know, <laughs> are you kidding me? You know, the only thing I did for Red about, you know, brujos or sorcery or anything like that in Mexico at that point in time mm-hmm. was in Castaneda. Right. And that doesn't give me a whole lot to go on, you know what I mean? Right, right. Was, you know, and I don't even speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though I had worked with other people over the years down there and this and that, but, you know, that was, that was small potatoes compared to this, this business. Okay. And um, so God just started filling in the blanks for me be, even before I even went. And I did a, a reading with this friend of mine. She was a Peruvian shaman before I actually went. And I put down uh, I, in this uh, tape... Everything that I that for a fact that I knew inside that God had given me, I put it down on there. And while we were doing this, Our Lady of Fatima showed up behind me, um, and my friend was absolutely floored. She the the room just got incredibly bright. I could feel her hands on my shoulders, and Maria just looked at me like, "Oh my goodness!" And she said, "The Blessed Mother's standing right behind you." And I said, "I know. I can feel her." Um, but that tape came in so handy down there because these people were astounded. They're like, how could you know these things? How could you know this? And they, they weren't sure what to think of me, you know, because I wasn't a psychic, you know, Todd was psychic. I wasn't psychic. Um, but I just told him, I said, you know, everything I know, God told me. And they asked me, why are you here? And I said, because God heard your prayers. And then at a couple of days in, uh, as we were coming back and forth from the clinic, I played. Uh, I told Maria about that tape, and this is different, Maria, Maria Teresa. And I said, "Here's the, the tape," and she put it in, and she we listened to it. She and I and Gloria and Todd. She played that tape going into uh, Juarez, um, and that's the first time they heard everything. And that tape had been made like two weeks before, so. And everything on that tape was absolutely true. Wow. Because Gloria knew everything. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it it like I said. It honestly, it took everything I'd ever known and more.
0: It that's and what more. it sounds like. And, I mean, besides the spiritual danger, I, 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 it sounds like when you're telling me right there that you were going to Juarez, I'm thinking to myself she's brave she's really brave <laughs> because... you
1: know either that or i just lost my
0: mind <laughs> you,
1: <laughs> know? you know this was before the cartels but that still was you know what it's you know?
0: still 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 even before the cartels it doesn't really matter because you know uh people sometimes is like hey if if i can't deep six her spiritually I'll get somebody to do it physically like I'm not gonna take any chances I'm gonna I'm gonna especially somebody (laughs) like you who was more or less like the Calvary was like yeah I gotta get this I gotta get it out of the way
1: yeah I just you know from the time I told Todd I would come I was never I never thought twice I just was totally focused on it if God was just giving me all this information my husband, my kids were scared half out of their heads. I bet they. When my husband, I really think he didn't think I was going to make it back. Um, he was really, really terrified of me going, and um, you know, and 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 Todd could sometimes be, you know, kind of the will of the wisp once in a while, you know, and I'd known him for years, and. Um, there were times where he was extremely dependable, and other times when he wasn't so dependable. Um, and my husband was really nervous because it sure. was just Todd and I going. You know,
0: I can, I can, I can imagine that must have been
1: that yeah, must have been nerve
0: wracking for your family.
1: Yeah, you know, they were they were really terrified. They were very worried. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, I don't. Really think I was? I wasn't really worried. I was. I was just, you know, I I was just hyper vigilant. I I was just like I was on an adrenaline thing for ten mm-hmm. days. It's like, it's just like, I was so in God's hands. I was so totally in God's hands that whole time. That I was so busy listening to what God wanted. And I don't hear Him speak. I just know in my heart, you know, God just says do this do that go here go there you know you know uh, he doesn't start words uh, sentences with the words I or anything and you don't hear sentences you just know it's like you need to do this and do that and that's that's really what kept me going the entire time was I just simply listened to God I didn't really put I, I it was like a constant 24/7 prayer constantly going on in my head so I didn't you know I, I saw all these things i I knew what they were. I knew what was coming. I knew to jump and dive and move and in this and that when I needed to um, but you know I just uh truly it was really God's courage, it was his strength um,
0: and Sonia, let me ask you something when you did did you ever have anything happen to you let's say when you came back home that yes uh, because I was going to say, I'm sure he just didn't do things when you were over there. It was like, okay, you if know. I can just either scare her away or whatever he wanted, it's like, I'm sure that...
1: Well, you know, I had to go back down a year later to do this formal blessing. Okay. Uh, to It's called a final blessing, really. Um, because when we got there, the water wasn't running. There had been land movement under the, under the um, clinic, See, they'd cursed this whole clinic. It was actually the prototype of the first Clinica de Esperanza. Wow. So it was 10,000 square feet. It was a big clinic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like this big, white, shining clinic with these bell towers on either side, sitting in the middle of Timbuktu, I mean, in the middle of the desert, the last thing in the world you'd expect to see, you know. Okay. Um, As we drove up, I was astounded, you know. Todd made it sound like it was just a little clinic, it was just a, you know, and we're driving along and all of a sudden I'm seeing this huge white building with these bell towers and crosses on top and this big giant, you know, in in the middle of nowhere, and it was just on, in the middle of the prairie with some trees around it, you know, I was literally blown over backwards. And I just I remember the one thought going through my mind was you know my own personal self thinking to myself i I have no idea what i'm doing i am scared to death i you know at that moment I really wanted to just turn around and run. I was like, these are people's lives these are there's this like eighty five members are better than this. these are their lives they're they're looking to me to help them to to turn all this around and I'm overwhelmed by the sight of the building much less anything else and I just thought I just started crying and I mean just kind of to myself like staring out the window and
0: and what was it that that the that I mean obviously you said that at one point there were friends and then things went south between in the relationship but what was it the opponent wanted to shut this clinic down
1: yeah he wanted, he, see, because when Francisco turned his life over to God, he really did so in a major way. And his, all of a sudden, his, e- even though he was a, an incredible healer before that, a holistic healer and medical healer, he became even more so. Um, he was curing AIDS. He was curing many, many things. He had all these clients coming to him, and he had a consultorio in Juarez, I think where, uh, (coughs) excuse me, the bad cold, but where his sister and he um, both worked. Um, And then he had the clinic uh, out in the, uh, down in Via Hamasa. Okay. Um, And, uh, uh, but he was just, he, this huge clinic, he, he had all these patients coming to him on a constant basis And his fame was beginning to grow. He was invited to speak to the AMA about healing AIDS in San Diego. Um, He began to just uh, get all of these honors and uh, all of this attention. And the other, uh, Brujo, first of all, I, I suppose he felt maybe, and this is just my conjecture, but that he felt abandoned in their friendship because he was, all geared into the devil
0: well i was going to say uh, yeah right there that's kind of like yeah. Hello. yeah well it's a real big separation of
1: of whole motives and morality and everything else so um i don't uh he well i think because francisco is making so much money he had so yeah. many people so many clients and but at the same time i don't know that this guy realized that francisco did a lot for free he didn't you know he used to go down and treat the tarumaras indians um two or three times a year for free mm-hmm. um and he did a lot of pro bono uh, medical work uh around uh, the area so i i think it was just the accolades
0: i was about to say that i don't think but it, it, i mean besides the money of course it was the recognition that mm-hmm. his ex-friend was getting and he was like so now i'm a nobody <laughs> so yeah
1: yeah or whatever right because you know because what what else would prompt him to of course just just to set up a trap I mean it was a perfect trap you know and um, uh, and then when Francisco got really sick um, then when Francisco tried to heal himself uh, the harder he tried to heal himself the more things started to happen to his family wow and he uh, came to the consultorio one day to uh, work with Gloria and walked through the door. and No one else was in the clinic, and Gloria was pinned up against the wall three feet off the floor. She was pinned up there by a demon, and she was literally, I mean, her eyes were rolled back in her head, and her body was just kind of splayed out against the wall in a contorted, uh, contorted way. He tried everything to get her off that wall. He could not do it. And so he had to call his um, sister who called her son and uh, her son came over and got Gloria off the wall. And then they took Gloria over to the sister's home where she had to remain for two or three months. Wow. They did um, exorcisms and things over her. But even when I got there, she was still partially possessed. She was not completely free. Um, and when I left, she was free, but, uh, it was, uh, I mean, this was real stuff here. This was life and death and the family, so many members were sick. Like I said, the water wasn't running, so they were actually having to pay people to pay someone else for irrigation water for the farmland. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, everything was just falling apart around them and, um, after we cleared that clinic we well, we cleared the clinic the consultorio and six different homes ranchos and haciendas and whatnot
0: so this was pretty um, widespread then
1: yes this was a family of means uh originally they were very um one of the top 10 families in mexico um, and they were very sophisticated educated uh people um they could not they just they knew what was going on, but they were just like so. They were at this when I got down there. They were almost resigned to their fate. They were so beat up and just just exhausted from trying to fight all this. I can imagine. They just imagine. didn't know how. Yeah, but um, it was um, it was absolutely amazing. And then right at the end, after we we cleared the clinic and everything, we had to get a priest in to blessed the clinic before all these spirits came back in because Francisco had collected these masks and each one of these from all over the world. And he had worked with a uh, holy man or uh, a witch or whatever, a mm-hmm. uh, sorcerer, in each area where he collected these masks to implant a spirit. Oh, into my God,
0: masks. no. He did so that?
1: This yeah, so this was done before he turned his life to God. So he was Yeah, no, no, I can imagine, power. but it was like, oh. Yeah, so he was using the power of these spirits to do his healing before he turned his life to God. After he turned his life to God, he took all the masks down in trunks, and some of these trunks would just literally vibrate. They had so I much bet. power. But we're talking thousands of
0: masks. Thousands?
1: Thousands. Oh my God! We we had to handle each one. We had to bless it with the oil, to seal the spirit into the mask until we could get it to a public museum. Because of going to from there to a public museum, then no one owned the mask.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So when they opened the bag, the spirits were free, and they were able to leave and go back to where they came from, without harming anyone right so no one could actually own these masks exactly anymore. No, nobody in the family wanted anything to do with them uh, but they were they were in every house practically almost every hacienda oh. the clinic had i can't even tell you how many <sighs> el diablo was the head of these masks that's why i said the curse of el diablo that's okay
0: now thing. i understand why
1: yeah but yeah we had to we had to free we had to get rid of all of these masks and all of the other artifacts that had spirits and things like that before we could get the clinic blessed the interesting thing is nobody could go get the priest <laughs> we were done that afternoon we were in a panic somebody had to go get the priest so we could bless the place so we could seal it and no one could go get the priest we were 30 miles from the church no phones no way to reach him and Todd and I were just desperate. We were looking at each other like, oh, my goodness, this is all going to fall back in on us. It could kill us. We knew it. We were scared to death. And Todd took the last bag of masks off the property of the clinic and put it on the farmland. And a car drives up. And the driver of the car, who we did not, and he and here in the car is the priest. The priest and the mother superior. Oh, are
0: you kidding? No, <laughs> you guys must have been no.
1: like, all right, right. Like, yay! So this this man that none of us knew had brought the priest there, and his name was Father Miguel. Okay, and he said, the the, the Miguel's, the Michaels, I were right. We, we'd go to get chicken, and and the guy serving us was named Miguel. Okay, it's amazing. But here's the priest, here's the, the mother superior, and the guy driving we didn't know. But the priest told Todd, so Todd so told him. He said, he said, thank God you you came. That this is a miracle, and he's talking to him and he said, what made you guys come out here? And he said, well, this man or whatever his name was, he said he he, he came and got us and. Told us, asked me if I wanted to go see Francisco's clinic, and since I've never seen it, I I said sure, and we all jumped in the car. Oh. So he comes in and he bless, blesses the entire place, right? Blesses everybody because the family. See, we did not know the driver. But the interesting thing is, the family all did. Well, the family, we were almost done with everything at this point, so a lot of the family members were at the hacienda. Just a eighth of a mile down the road. Uh-huh. They all came at a dead run. I mean, some of these guys were in their seventies and eighties. They came at a dead run to the to the clinic. And so everybody was there. The priest blessed the clinic. He blessed everybody. He, you know, used the frankincense, everything. He you know, completely blessed the thing and, and sealed it. And um and the chapel, Saint Michael's Chapel as well. So this is all done. Everything's done. Everybody's just thrilled, happy, crying. They're just so excited. So, Todd and I we sit down outside on the portico um, with Maria Teresa and Gloria. And Todd is like, "Well, isn't that amazing? You know, how did how did who who is the guy that brought the priest?" And Maria Teresa looks at us and goes, <coughs> "Excuse me," she says, "You don't know." You, you didn't know who he was? And Todd says, No, I don't know. She said, You've got candles all over this place burning to St. Nino de Fidencio, and you didn't know that he was the man who channels St. Nino, Nino de Fidencio? And Todd and I, I'm serious, you could have just knocked us over with a feather. Oh. We, we nearly passed out because he's a folk saint. He's a famous uh-huh. folk saint in northern Mexico. Yes. And. Yeah. And so this man was the channel for the Saint Unity Fidanzio
0: who who an a natural geographic and
1: everything healing people, right? So yeah, we just felt we were just So I take it then that the,
0: the Archdiocese re engaged. They No. Nope, nope, they didn't? Nope. Nope.
1: They didn't. No, nope, no. Are you kidding? No. No they didn't honestly they they try not to get mixed up in the magic stuff going around the priest had no idea see this is a cool thing about this the Manor channels of saint did not tell the priest what we were doing he was he was sitting he actually lived in Via Hamatha which we didn't know he was sitting watching
0: television and god So he just came out and there he goes oh go guy oh you want me to bless the building sure okay
1: yeah he had no idea what <laughs> That's happened great. I know. So at the very end, when when they're getting back in the car, the family is like, oh, we want to give all these, because these masks are extremely valuable, you know, they're all handmade and everything, right? Mm -hmm. They said, oh, we want to give all these masks to the church, and you can sell them and make money for the church. And the priest is all happy. Oh, yeah, that'd be wonderful. And I'm walking towards the car, and I turned around, and I said, no. And they said, what? I said, no, you cannot give these to the church. This has to go to a public museum so that when they open the bags, the spirits will be free, they won't harm anyone, and they'll go back where they came from. Yes. And the, the guy who channels St. Nita di Fidenzio, they, they turned from me to him, and he nodded his head that that was correct.
0: Yes. And they
1: said, oh, okay. And the priest looked at me, and I said, they're cursed, Father. They're cursed. They've all had, they've all they all have spirits in them, placed in there by sorcery, and the father's like, "Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay." Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. He did a real quick. Great. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: The museum is great. Right, let's but, put this yeah. in reverse, quick. No, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was crazy. I mean, oh yeah, I'm glad because I was gonna say that would be like, who knows? Can you imagine he, this goes to the church and some oh yeah bishop or think, somebody says, Oh that's I'll just hang this in my office and you know, yeah. that'll be like a real conversation oh. piece. Oh
1: <laughs> yeah, because these these spirits and none of these spirits were Christian. I mean they were all, you know
0: Right from around the I mean, world.
1: Yeah, God's goddesses, you name it. I mean, even the conflict of ego between the spirits in the building when we got there was so bad that you could hardly think, you know, we just, I, I just literally, you know, had to tell the team, I said, you know, we fully anointed ourselves before we went in and I said, you just don't think, just pick up each mask, you know, I, only Todd and I will pick them up and we'll bless them with the Nomani Padre, the Spirit de Sancti and we'll, you hold the bags, we'll do put them in the bags. And these guys were really gingerly holding those bags as wide open as they could so they didn't touch anything. <laughs> you know, and they had, everybody had gloves on, sprayed with holy water and everything Let me ask else. you
0: something, Sonia. Do you think that, because it sounds like, thankfully, this guy that was, that, like you said, he turned his life over to God. Yes. But it makes you think also that the fa- did the did the family understand beforehand what he was involved with as far as the dark...
1: Yes. Were they yes. on
0: board with it? And and, and the reason why, mm. where I'm going with this is that it, was this why it was so easy to also affect them?
1: They, they weren't really on board with it. The family originally came from Oaxaca, so they understood. But they did not like, they did not care for what he was doing. Okay. To say the fact that he was a medical doctor and he was doing a lot of good as a medical doctor. Okay. Even before he turned his life over to God, was what they cared about. I mean, they loved their brother. He was an incredible sure, man. Sure, You know, but what he actually did with his work and stuff, they didn't ask too many questions, and they okay. didn't get too deep into it with him. They were very strong Catholics, all of
0: the family. Okay. Because um, I yeah, was wondering, but, like, how much did how much they understand of what he was involved with? Mm, before you much. know because it's like one of those things like making in other words making themselves easier targets
1: no no i think the only reason they became targets
0: mm-hmm.
1: was because the other brujo when he got rid of francisco right. he wanted control of the clinic he wanted control oh, bet. of the sister you know of gloria um he wanted to be the the top dog that everybody looked up to, so he basically cursed the clinic to the point where they could never really use it again. And the consultorio, um, you know, he, you know, he played being the the good friend and all this. I mean, the family never suspected
0: that he was, was the one he, behind the
1: right. Not until I got there.
0: No. Oh, you oh he must have loved you. He hated ah. me. Oh absolutely. There sure. was no doubt. There was absolutely no Yeah, you exposed man, him. You know.
1: Well and he had a whole clan. He had a a, a large clan of, of uh and a lot of the students that had been going to um learn from Francisco mm-hmm. which is uh the uh medico blanca, you know, the white white medicine mm-hmm. of uh Brujeria, uh they had Gone to this guy after Francisco died because they wanted to learn. Um, but really, his was Medico Bl- uh, Negra. Um, yes. But he pretended it was Medico Blanco. So, a lot of this, there were some of the students that didn't even realize that what he was like or anything else either. We didn't say anything to these people. Uh, we didn't really have to because as we started to. Um, as God would tell me what to do to back this curse off and this curse, whatever, those curses were going back and landing on him. They okay. were going back to where they had come from. Mm-hmm. So either him or his higher ups in his group or whatever,
0: okay. the stuff hitting them hard. But, but it was. Yeah, mm, let me tell you something. Dangerous. That's if anything, I mad that, that kind of like set the bar. I mean, I imagine you were like, well. I know that, like you said, sometimes you can't say I've seen it all or know it all. But after yeah. that, it kind of—I imagine—you were a little bit shockproof. And I was like, okay, I've been through worse than this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I—I think the one thing
1: that I would, that i was tested with the strongest during that entire time was learning. It was learning how to keep myself in the heart of christ Mm -hmm. learning how to keep myself in into into god's total control um i just literally gave every aspect of myself over to god and did not take it out even to try to be my normal self so to speak in a way um i had to be extremely careful because they were just waiting for me to drop my guard Mm -hmm. um you know, and God would tell me when it was safe to just, you know, sit back and talk to people and have a beer or whatever.
2: Right. Um,
1: which that some which was like at private homes that not any of the family, but uh, the other friends that we were working with. Um, you know, but I might have a half a beer. Right. I, I didn't do anything else. I was very, very tightly focused
0: i can imagine time. you would because yeah. obviously and i understand what you were talking about as far as being hyper vigilant that can be very tiring yeah. also
1: well you know this is the interesting thing when i'm working with god i am extremely hyper vigilant okay. but it doesn't tire me at really? all i don't yeah i don't feel tired i feel in fact i feel energetic you know it was a hundred and three hundred and five degrees of heat out there every day. Um, And uh, I didn't even notice it. And normally, boy, I can't stand it when it gets really hot. And it was, um, I just didn't, I just kept going. I didn't even notice it. I felt good. I felt healthy. I felt strong. Everything. Um, You know, uh, I slept well, you know, ate well. They they were wonderful cooks down there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, it just, it was like, um, God just just kept me going. He just kept me in perfect health and everything else the entire time. So I didn't even, you know, about that, I would have normally been flat on my face with sunstroke or something, you know. Well, and uh,
0: you're and and you know, I under, let me ask you though, at, after everything, was there, let's say, because it sounds like. Like you said, this was a very involved case. Was there a time when, let's say, you were, for lack of a better word, done with it, where you had to like retreat for a while, like for a respite? Like, yes, yes,
1: yeah. I literally, I literally, after that happened, um, because they kept trying to kill us off with spells and curses and all this, and I, I just was really physically ill. Mm-hmm. um not right away afterwards right. in fact a lot of god's uh just his glory or whatever just kind of hovered over me for uh you know like a week or two but you know i knew i was in for it i mean it was it was just a constant barrage of curses and things and when we went down to do the final blessing um they really went after me It was really hard for me to even get down there, but I had to go down and do the final blessing. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a friend of mine courageously stepped up to take me down there. So she and I and my son, we went down um, and we had to release the allies that Francisco had stored in the second church tower. Now, these were not these trapped spirits that were in the masks. Okay. These were like the allies that a sorcerer co- collects in his gourd, so to speak. Right. Um, but he had stored them all in this one tower and they had to be released. Okay. So, I had to go down there and do that and then you know, clear and then rededicate mm-hmm. the the clinic at that point. And when we crossed the border going in that night, um Todd had told them to change over the piping for the for the um, irrigation to a six-inch pipe. They'd only had like a three-inch pipe on there,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it cost them $5,000 to do this. And here there was just a tiny trickle of water coming out. And they're like to, uh, arguing with him. He said, listen, if you don't change this piping over, that piping there is going to get completely blown out when that water starts running. And he said, you're going to lose all of your you're going to have to redo everything, and it's not going to be easy. So they had literally trusted him at that point. So many miracles had happened around him. And they went ahead and they changed out that piping at great cost that they didn't really have, but they did. Um, When we crossed the border that night, it was like 7 o'clock at night, and the next day when we got down to the... was there, and he stared at, when we got out of the car, he, he almost fell over. He said, what time did you cross, what time did you get to Mexico last? And I said, seven o'clock last night. And he just sat down in his chair and he said, I was working over at the clinic at seven o'clock. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I felt rumbling under the ground. And he said, that water came flying out of there like a fire hose. Wow. And when we came, when we walked over to the clinic that day, you could see that water was just shooting out of that, and it. Was, they had this big catch-all um, tank there that they built like a small swimming pool type of thing. Mm-hmm.
2: It's like
1: eight feet long and four feet deep, six feet wide. And that thing, it was, it was actually only part of that water was even touching that pool. The rest of it was going right into the canal itself. It was shooting right over the top of that, and. Um, but yeah, we uh, when I. That whole day, I just got attacked from every, every angle. I had the worst migraine I ever had in my life. We had this electrical storm that was beyond belief. And it was like after we released all these allies, their retaliation was to send these rolling clouds back. And this lightning storm just knocked out the transformer to the Hacienda. It was banging around all these windows. I need to add that chapter to this book. Okay. Um, i didn't put it in there i was going to write a second book uh, about this because there's so much more to tell the
0: aftermath in other words kind of yeah
1: the aftermath i just didn't have it in me at the time even to get this book published i actually ended up in the hospital three days before i got the book published to to finish the uh, editing but yeah it was a a fight the whole time (laughs) it was a fight all the way to getting this book published but yeah it was really bad i mean they tried to kill me and when we left uh that day after uh after clearing that place, um, uh, when we left tried to leave Juarez, uh we got followed and uh they tried to they tried to nail us going home. So it was really pretty cool because the girl that was driving, this friend of mine, uh, my best friend really, she flipped a U on the freeway she said we are not going back to dallas we're going to new mexico and we we went through new mexico going home instead to throw them off and made it back okay but boy i'm telling you they were right on our heels the whole time
0: that's what that's yeah. what i'm talking about that's what i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking you know what these these people are not going to be content to just try to curse you or spend you you know a no, bad luck was... your way no they
1: no, it was it was personal. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
0: It, it was oh, personal, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, we ran In other words, to... I'm sure
0: that once they realized they weren't gonna be able to scare you away, like in the sense of Mhm. Wow. Yeah. You're a brave lady. Very brave. <laughs> you know, I I've
1: always been stubborn. <laughs> you know, I was born with red hair. I've always been stubborn and my dad told me afterwards, it was funny, we were talking about it. My dad told me, he said, You know, you know part of the reason you're a good choice for God as a woman you know when to quit. <laughs> 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 I think he's probably right about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's, that's sometimes, and I understand what you're saying. Sometimes it's one of those things that you, you know, as much as you want to prepare or anticipate, it's something that when you're there, you figure it out when you're there. At. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. Because I had no idea what these people were really capable of. Truly, mm-hmm. I really didn't. I, you know, all like I said, all I'd ever done is read. read I knew some of the Costaneda stuff in there was kind of not real. And you know, I even though I had known a lot of all uh, holy men and stuff, I knew what was real and what wasn't. And you know. So it wasn't like I was taking everything Costaneda said verbatim either. I mean, um, uh, I read him because I, God just was like, you need to read these, you know. Um, and I started the book out with that. I tell how I actually found that book to begin with, the first book he wrote. It was because Francisco actually a- appeared to me in this bookstore in Coronado Island. But he was already dead. I mean, not, he wasn't dead then. I mean, right. when this happened... This was like when I was like in my early 20s. I was 22 years old, and he appeared. I never knew his name or anything like that, and then he just disappeared, and it was weird. But I started reading these Castaneda books, and then I had dreams from that point on. Every once in a while, every couple of years, I'd have a dream about seeing this guy in the desert and meeting all these people, and the interesting wow. thing is when we got down there, I never knew who they were. When I got down there, uh Ray Trace was having a birthday party. I walked into her kitchen, and there were all these people that I saw in these dreams. They knew me and I knew them, and we all just felt so completely floored.
2: Wow. We're just
1: like we're just we didn't know our names, the names you know, but they're just like i you're familiar to me i you know and they were familiar to me i I literally got weak at the knees. I walked in, I saw them I turned to Todd, and I said oh my god oh my god these are the people i've been seeing in those dreams all these years can you imagine and he just looked at me and went what dreams
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah what, what are you talking about sonia <laughs> do you think that if you would have known at the beginning when he approached you about what was going on over there mm-hmm. if you would have known what was really 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 going on would you have gone or it was like ignorance I, in a way a good thing
1: i don't think i had a choice really really because yeah because my first instinct was to say are you crazy i was going to say you want me to do what there's these brujos doing what you want me to what you know but you know we we'd already had a bit of a discussion because he was going to go down to the taro at easter celebration and i told him he had to be really careful This, again, was God just coming forward. Mm -hmm. I said, you need to be really careful because there's a brujo down there that needs you for something. And if you don't agree, he'll take you over and use you anyway. And then he called me as he was coming back from the Easter celebration. um, He called me first by radio phone from Mexico and told me, Few, he talked for a few minutes and then he called me again from El Paso and talked to me at greater length but he said you have to come down here because you're right about the brew hole and but what he wants is not to do some harm or something. He he wants to free his family. And I just never I personally knew I was completely out of my depth. But I opened my mouth and it just I just it just yeah, I'll come. It just <laughs> popped out
0: there you know it's like who was that that said that that wasn't me
1: (laughs) i'm I'm serious i literally clapped my hand over my mouth i'm like what did i just say you know i i i don't know how to do it What, what what am i doing you know um but then it was just that fast it just all the fear just exited just left me and i just started seeing it so to speak through god's way of looking at it and it was like okay, this is what I have to do, this is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just a servant, I do what I'm told, and it, that's exactly what I do, and it's like, right. I just said, okay, okay, yeah. whatever you want, God, I'm going to do it, whatever you want, and I just trusted him to keep me safe and strong and mm-hmm. do it, and he did.
0: No, well, sometimes it's true, it's
1: like, what is it, perfect trust? That's really what it is, I mean, trust is faith, faith mm-hmm. is trust. You know, people say, well, I don't have any faith. I said, well, do you trust? Can you trust God? Well, yeah, but he's not here. He's on a throne somewhere. I said, no, he's right here. He's vital. He's alive. He's right here. And trust, if you trust him, that's faith. If you have trust in him, you have faith in him. Exactly. So I said, you don't have to, don't make faith ambiguous. It's not ambiguous. It's very simple. It's trust.
0: No. Exactly. And, uh, you know, sometimes no it's it's true it's like it's it's just you know at at the at the very least knowing um that uh what is it that someone has your back yes
1: yeah yeah it's like pulling over backwards having somebody catch you mm-hmm. you exactly. know exactly if you think the guy behind you is shifty you're not gonna fall yeah, well.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> And, and I mean, sometimes I think that, um, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with self-sufficiency, don't get me wrong, and, you know, and no. uh, relying on yourself and, and your abilities, but just like the situation that you found yourself in, it was like, I'm sure that if you wouldn't have had that trust, that faith, no. either one, you wouldn't have gone, or two, no. <laughs> once you went down there and you really... Saw what was going on, you would have said, You know what? I'm going back stateside. See you guys. Hope you work it out. Too bad. Bye. <laughs> well, know, this, the thing this, is, <laughs> not staying I around for this, would've you would have done what idiot. the archdiocese did. I
1: mean, if I if i had a gun down there based on chutzpah or ego or mm-hmm. whatever, honestly, that whole thing not only would it have blown up in my face, it would have blown up in the face of all those people.
0: You know, yeah, of course.
1: Be, you know, because they wouldn't have been content just blowing me out of the water for being an idiot. They would have gone after the people because they wanted them to cower in fear and desperation. you know um, you know I, it, once uh, once I said yes to God, there was never any other thought in my mind, you know. Did I realize that I personally was not suited or was not capable or knowledgeable enough and all that? Yes. I mean, I knew for a fact. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But did I know that God did? Yes. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. Because, no, I honestly, I would have just, they they would have just laughed me out of there in five minutes if if I'd have gone there on my own, uh, you know, Inflated sense of self. I, they would, because those people were knowledgeable. They were smart. They were educated. They were knowledgeable, and they knew way more than I did about any of this stuff. You know, wow. because you know Gloria was a, a guru Haria practitioner. Okay. So you know, I mean, she could have written books and tomes on the, on the subject. So it's not like I went down there thinking I was gonna right. out- yeah, yeah they, they were they probably understood better us. than you
0: than you did initially exactly what they were up against
1: yeah, well, I think what really what really you know I think what really drew them to my side was the fact that God just acted with so much power through me, you know, um. You know for you know even even for me i'd never had visions anywhere close to the kind of visions i had when i was down there uh, i never imagined any of the doing any of the things that i did down there it was i would just know on the spot what to do it was like i would just know um, and not only did i just know what to do But then as I would do it, this incredible power from God would just come through me and out. And just, it was like slaying dragons, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literally, I mean, I had a vision of uh, slaying this dragon. And, you know, I had this uh, one guy interview me, and he said, um, Oh, I read part of your book, and, you know, those visions you had, they, they just sound like Kill Bill. And I'm like, I'd never, the thing is, I I just thought, I've never even seen Kill Bill, you know. I just wrote, I just, you know, I just wrote, in that book, I just wrote what happened to me through my eyes. I didn't try to write it through Todd's eyes, because I don't know how Todd saw everything. I know what he told me in the snap, but it wasn't, I wasn't going to write the book for Todd, Using his visions of things because Todd was passed away. I don't have the right to use Todd's viewpoints of things. Right, you no. know
0: You know. And, um, and, yeah, no, of course, absolutely. <laughs> it's you know, not a comparison.
1: I mean, yeah, really, could you imagine that? I mean, I didn't even know what to say to this guy. I was just like, what? <laughs> you know, I remember just thinking to myself, you know. This guy kind of came on pretending that he really liked my book, or he really—he hadn't even read it. He—he just—he he read a couple on the air. Okay, and I didn't den- denigrate everything I'd written, and I just thought, no, I'm just not going to go there, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you know. There's just some things that defy, defy description. I mean, I wrote it, I read it, I, I looked at it, and I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, did that really? You know, did that happen?" I'm just like, "Yes," because those people are still alive. Still right. Well, well, see, that's what I was saying.
0: It's like one of those things that while you're doing it, like you're doing it. I'm here. I got to do yeah, it. It's like yeah. that's it. Yeah. And like you said, you you, you went and you. Took records. You were a good record keeper, so you could write this book later on. And and I know exactly what you mean. Maybe when you were looking <laughs> back at, at the events, you were like, I, 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 that was me. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I well,
1: be, before I even published it, I sent the galley copy to the family. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I wanted them to know what I was writing. I wanted them to read it. I wanted them to say If they didn't want this mentioned or that mentioned, I wanted, you know, because it was about them. I mean, I didn't identify everybody totally clearly, I mean, their last names and all that, but the thing is, uh, it still was their story. It was their family. He he was their brother, their, you know, their uncle, their uh, grandson, whatever. I mean, these people had a right to read the story, and and see what I was going to publish before I published it. So I sent it to them. They loved it. They actually great. They actually took it, you know, they—they because they, uh, it was all written in English, mm-hmm. and some of them don't speak English very well. Uh, Miguel's wife is a teacher, and she read it to the ones that didn't speak English. And they actually came up to El Paso so they could call me and tell me, absolutely publish it word for word. They said, we really, really like that book.
0: That's great. You know, That's fantastic. You
1: know, because, I mean, the family themselves, they were beautiful. They were dignified, lovely, wonderful people. And, you know, I wouldn't put anything out there that they might construe as,
0: well, you know. You know it looks you know. like, you know, the, the, what is it, you know, they, they they came through the fire. They 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 came out the other end of that whole episode, which sounds like it was pretty horrible for all the family.
1: It was, it was, yeah. You know, but you know, I will tell you, man, they were absolute troopers. They were, they were just, they were right there. They were right there. They they helped, they did anything and everything that was necessary that we asked them to do or, you know, that Todd asked them to do. You know, even before he even contacted me, he asked them to build an altar uh, up on the hill facing the Clinic, mm-hmm. and it dedicated to Saint Michael. He said, "Build that altar; it's going to be important later." And they did; they literally wow. did. He, you know, he got them to buy salt, you know, that we could have blessed, and that we could, you know. And they bought; they didn't just buy a bag of salt; they bought twenty-five pounds of it. <laughs> wow! You know, because we we had to do this whole perimeter around this clinic, and that's a big clinic. And but yeah, they you know. When, when Todd first met them, their tractor hadn't run for months. They were trying to get it fixed, get it working, this and that. And Todd just was out there, and he was listening to the guys talking, and he said, do you want me to bless? He said, uh, just a minute, and he went back to the house. He got some holy water. He came back, and he blessed the tractor, and it started right up. Oh, wow. See? Yep, yep. Just, it was one thing like that after the other the whole time we were down there. Oh, well,
0: you know what? the. the, the that people sometimes don't understand especially especially when you're talking uh, something like that that's a practitioner in dark magic exactly how much power they do have over the physical plane to do stuff like that in other words to get those types of results
1: you know I had no idea I honestly had no idea that you know how these guys you know operated really and you know the the brujos and things you know I didn't. I really didn't. I mean, it. I had studied a lot of things, but you know, learning something in a book and learning it in person are two different things. Oh yeah. What I read in the book was not even close to as horrifying as what I saw in person.
0: Oh, well, let's face it. I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that they learned that's never been written down. It's almost like something you learned maybe as an initiate, but it's not really. You're never going to find in a book as to what they learn no. or what the initiation rites are or, or well, they have
1: secrets you know you know and this, not not every single bruharia every single bruha or bruja is the same i mean mm-hmm. they they all teach different things they all have different uh, abilities or things that they you know kind of center on and what not and yeah, a lot of this is passed down knowledge from family or from friends or yes. from acquaintances, whatever. But, I mean, right. you know, uh, there's no way in the world, honestly, that I could have done anything to defeat what had been done without God. Of I, course. I can honestly tell of you that. Course, I wouldn't yes. have had a clue what to do.
0: Well, it sounds like the that what was involved in that was really, really, really dark sonia so you, okay. yeah i mean it's, it's like <laughs> it's, horrendous. horrendous i'm sure you know better than i do but this sounds oh, like um years there's the uh, uh in other words that w- w- um you had uh, a person that like well you said that was perfectly possessed and uh what is it yeah. the ends justify the means as long as i get what i want yeah
1: so, yeah i mean Basically, you weren't even seeing the man because, you know, once they're perfectly possessed, the demon mm-hmm. is living through their body, yeah. through their mm-hmm. eyes, everything. Um, no, you know, when when that when that, that night, because her apartment, we were finishing up in Gloria's apartment above the consultorio, and when I heard the gate open, uh, you had to come through this gate and down the sidewalk and then up these stairs to her apartment, it was above the consultorio. When I heard that gate open, I knew I just stopped. I just stopped. I knew right away. I just knew it was the devil. I just knew it was the devil, the devil, not a demon, the devil. And I just, I just, <laughs> just stopped. I mean, you know, moving. I mean, you know, I, I, I just knew, and I, I, then I walked to the living room. Todd was talking to the ladies and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh Francisco's brother was there with his wife and I just walked in and I just stood there with my hands on my hips because he was coming up the stairs and he was coming through the door, and I just thought, Oh boy, here we go! That's all I could think. I was just like i just was I just was praying mm-hmm. nonstop you know, and it was just um. All I knew is I had to stand I had to stand my ground because you know I knew I wouldn't be standing my ground alone i could I could feel the presence of Saint Michael, I could feel the presence of Our Lady, and I just thought, you know if i'm ever if I'm ever going to look at myself in the mirror again, I have to stand my ground right now and just you know deal with this, and I tried to warn Todd, but I wasn't able to in time for him to understand because he was in, deep in conversation with these people and this guy came through the door and it was just, uh, you know, it was like that snake on Conan the Barbarian, you know, where that guy... Right, yeah,
0: exactly. At the end when he transforms... It. Yep. But was this during the time that the family wasn't aware that he was the one that was doing this against them? or
1: The only ones that really knew that was glorious and she was when she heard him coming up the stairs. She knew when she saw my face,
2: she okay. knew it was
1: him, and she was scared to death. She ran back to her room to change clothes and stuff, or whatever, just any excuse because she just didn't want to deal right there, you know. And um, she was scared to death. But she and her older, the older sister, the matriarch, uh, Esperanza, they knew I had told them. And and of course Esperanza's husband, her husband, but um, it was really this guy, and um, nobody else. Well, Mary Teresa knew, but when they when he walked in, the look of shock on Teresa's face was huge. Todd didn't even realize it was him because he just had his he's had his attention on other things and.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then when he when Todd looked up and glanced up and saw me and just saw this unblinking stare okay he
0: just he was like
1: oh <laughs> yeah kind of kind of red hair flying in the wind type look you know I mean uh-huh and it, he just saw that he just saw that pose which was not a usual pose for me and I was just standing there just staring at the sky and just it was a kind of a I fight, you know, mm-hmm. he was, he was staring at me and I was staring at him. And I mean, you could have cut that with a knife. It was just that thick, that conscious, that total, you know, cause he'd heard all about us and all this, but you know, he yeah. figured it, he came at the last minute, then he could show up, show everybody, you know, that we, we had no power over him
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we didn't, but boy, St. Michael sure did.
0: Can't imagine. That must have been like. That was a you know, you know when you see the westerns, you know the gunfight.
1: It, it, that's what it felt like. It really did. I mean, only I have to say I wasn't thinking that way at the time. I'm sure. I'm sure.
0: I'm sure. I was.
1: (laughs) I was angry clear through. That's all I can. I was angry. I was like, this guy walked in there, and it was just like every aspect of me just, was filled with anger. I just, it it was just like, how dare you even walk in here? I was just, I was just, you know, just so angry. I, I wasn't going to, there was no way. I wasn't going to take one step. I wasn't going to move one muscle. I wasn't going to do one thing, but just stand there and just challenge him. It was just, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it was, an unusual feeling for me because I'm usually very upbeat and Mm -hmm. um, positive, but I just was not going to back down. Not then. I didn't care what he did. I didn't, it didn't even, I didn't even think about what he was capable of doing. I just didn't care about anything. I just was so mad.
0: Well, you know, it's like one of those things that you said, this is going to set the tone for, you know, if like I back down now, that's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there was no back down in me. I mean, honestly, you know, if if my ordinary personal self would have been trying to right. do this, it would have been a, another story altogether. I, I think I probably would have joined Gloria in her bedroom with the door closed.
0: <laughs> it's like, hold
1: on, wait. Oh, yeah, because honestly, anybody with any common sense would have gotten the heck out of there. No, but it really,
0: it's, it, I mean, I a it. lot of people could listen to the story that you're telling about what you went through. But in truth, it's scary, but it's really, I, I get this feeling that of danger. It was like, it wasn't just, it was danger on all levels, is what I'm... Yeah.
1: It was like danger on a soul level. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, it was like soul, you're, you're, it was like every aspect of myself. It was like, you know, it's physical and mental and emotional and spiritual and, you know, your soul and... You- everything was engaged in that fight at that moment. It's like, you know, and I just felt St. Michael just kind of drop down over the top of me, you know, not like anything like that, but just like this just huge angelic protection factor. And it was, and at that point, then it was like this whole fight went on between St. Michael and Lucifer. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, about me or about that guy or the body of that guy or whatever that this thing was using it was about those two angels fighting each other Um, and uh, it was just uh, it it was uh, magnificent but at the same time I mean it was incredibly scary I mean yeah I can imagine yeah because I mean I myself was hiding on the inside of there and just thinking you know there was just this little aspect of myself that was kind of watching all this go on and and um, terrified and then but the other aspect of me was just all devoted to God and it wasn't going anywhere and you know um by the time Todd realized that he'd been wounded already this guy was just uh, this uh, Lucifer was just sending out these uh, kinda like kind of like uh, like kind of like beams of energy but mm-hmm. you know I, you, you couldn't really see him but you kind of knew they were like red or something. It's just like, I don't know how to describe it. I tried to describe it in the book, but it's like, you know, and then the ones coming back from St. Michael, I guess maybe just because we connect red with the devil and blue with St. Michael, but to me, it was like blue beams going back and
0: they were wow. just firing
1: shots back and forth. And I tried to step in front of Todd when he, when he shot that one at Todd and it bounced off of me. Uh, And it hit Todd in the head and then two years later, uh, Todd's, uh, this guy hit Todd, Todd had a sinus infection and he was coming up to our house for Thanksgiving and this guy hit him in the left, in his left ear Um, and when he did that, uh, he punctured the eardrum and the sinus infection went to his brain at two o'clock in the morning, next morning. He pulled the plug. He was brain dead. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah. But where I was hit was in the abdomen. And the very same day that Todd got in this fight, I woke up. I had blood on my lips and everything else. Um, I didn't even know I had an ulcer, but all of a sudden there was this horrendous pain in my stomach. And my husband rushed me to the emergency room. And then we found out that I had an ulcer the size of a dime, and it had perforated in my stomach.
0: What?
1: Um, yeah, this the same day. I was about God to say, was, and
0: the timing on this is what? Yeah,
1: yeah. So they they went after both of us in the same day, and those through those wounds that we received that uh-huh. night in that fight. So I ended up. Uh, they rushed me up and this very beautiful Christian. I, um, Doctor uh, went in and lasered it um, shut, and he told me it'd take a year and a half to heal. And God healed it in six weeks. Wow! But Todd, um, you know, but Todd passed away. Um, so they didn't even tell me. They wouldn't even tell me that Todd passed away until I got out of the hospital I, a couple of days later.
0: That's understandable. I. Yeah. But, but isn't that like think about that? I mean, oh, yeah. pe- I guess my point is pe- people get sick and things happen to people. I, I mean, nobody, yeah. it- and it doesn't have to be the effect of something sorcery, in other words, is what I'm saying. No. But the timing on it is like, Yeah. that's very suspicious, <laughs> very suspicious. Well, you
1: know, it, it absolutely is because you know it it literally was where i was wounded and it was where he was yeah. wounded yeah and that's that was our weak point right and that's where he attacked that day and you know literally um you know god you know god was able to save me um but you know todd you know todd was weak um and uh not very well when he was there when he got to Santa Fe, and mm-hmm. when this happened, uh, he just his body just you know couldn't deal with it, and I just uh, I just felt terrible. I mean, um, you know, Todd was like my best friend. He was just one of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life, and he was an absolutely astounding uh, human being, and it just broke my heart. I mean, um, I which I'm. I'm glad my family didn't tell me until i came out of the hospital
0: of course of course that's understandable it's uh, you know and it's one of those things that i mean you could go over it and you think well was you know even though like you said that that you saw in other words that you kind of suspected the source of it um but it's almost like one of those agreements you come to I imagine when you get involved in that type of work, that you, well, you know. know,
1: you know, you hear the exorcists say all the time that how how difficult exorcism is because every time they they do perform an exorcism on, on a true demon. I mean, when they actually engage and have to fight this demon, they say that a part of them kind of is taken mm-hmm. is you know is gone but you know what i've seen is that yes that can happen but you know god heals that he gives you that back if you last long enough i mean sure as long as you stay as long as you stay under his care under his guidance and direction um god's healed me again and again and again i mean i've died several times on operating tables and god's brought me back and different things well, I've never seen God not repair what was right.
0: In other wounded. words, that you yeah. know, he he's got your back.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is it's absolutely true. You know, I mean, I would not be here today if it wasn't for God's intervention on so many many levels in my life. You know, um, still doing this work. You know, and it, yes. and um, you know, but yeah, it, it's it just it. It it is honestly a calling for me, and I'm sure I'll be
0: doing it until I. No, leave. I'm sure this is there's 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 no like I'm retiring like there is no retirement I think.
1: I tried that this year. I was going to retire. I and really what happened? Was. Didn't work. No, not at all. I you know, <laughs> I I thought well I'm just going to retire from take from all these cases, and I'm just going to write because I want to write some books teaching people more stuff about. What to do and how to just how to stand how to deal with all these different aspects of of things, and what should they learn before they mm-hmm. actually get involved in this and that uh because there's a lot of you know very unprepared people calling themselves uh exorcists or yeah. calling themselves uh um uh, demonologists out there that oh my honestly God, are yeah who really is like... not prepared you know. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of them, and they've made some very serious mistakes. Others have, have managed to do quite well, but, you know, and there's some that I really, really like a lot and respect very, very deeply. Um, but, uh, you know, I just think it would be nice to be able to put something out there that, not like a handbook. I just want to put it in smaller, shorter books where they can look at, first of all, what, Pick up the the book that speaks to them the loudest, and then mm-hmm. from there, go to the other smaller books to find out more about what they need to look at. So I want to make it affordable, you know, just do sure. it on Kindle, which my book is now just on Kindle. It used to be in print as well with the trade, but yeah, it's on Kindle but um, and I lowered the price on it. I'm going to probably lower the price again uh, in a couple of months. Okay. I just want people to be able to afford it or do some kind sure, of giveaways sure. or something where they can read it. And, and, it's not For me, it's not about the money, writing that book.
0: You know it's what? Really and, and I was going to say something, Sonia. A lot of people don't realize that reading some of these books, sometimes it's not to reinforce that. Sometimes it could be an eye-opener that this might not yes. be the thing for you.
1: Well, you know, that's the thing. They, they need to know the truth of what goes exactly, on out there.
0: Exactly,
1: yes. It's not a game. This is not a game. This is not. You don't. You don't get. You don't do what I do, thinking that you're it. That you know what you're doing. That you're a star or whatever. The only way you can do what I do and truthfully, and this is not an egotistical statement, but if you are not truly humble if you don't truly acknowledge your limitations and what mm-hmm. you do and what you do not know and what you can help with and what you cannot help with, and, I mean, I have a lot of people I have to write back and I have to say, I'm sorry, this is just out of my purview. Mm-hmm. It's not something I can deal with. I have to say no to people that I would really wish I could say yes to, but sure. I can't help everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: if you're, if you're not, you know, Ego is the antithesis of God. So if, you're, if, you're, if you don't approach this in a way that your whole life, your, your soul, everything in God's hands, if you can't do that, you know, if you're too busy wondering what the camera is going to catch or what people are going to think right. or whatever else, you're not going to survive it.
0: Well, you know what? I think some people think, and and you know, and I'm going to say somebody that's younger, of course, that they look at this show like Supernatural, and they see these two guys driving around in this car, you know, mm-hmm. confronting demons, and it's like, it's that's that's yep. make believe. <laughs> that's that's really make believe.
1: Well, you know, the one the one redeeming grace of Supernatural, which is actually one of my my favorite shows, mm-hmm. um, and not because it's all real and everything, but because The one thing about these guys is that they never really act egotistical. They're always questioning what are they doing, what's going on. They're trying to get to the bottom of stuff, and they're trying to um, just do the best they can. And they know the risks. They know they're scared. They they admit being scared, um, but they go do it anyway. So. You know, I kind of take my hat off to that, because I think that's probably what makes that show so endearing to so many people. You know, um, you know it's it's uh, a lot of times it's public pressure or peer pressure. Mm-hmm. A lot of these ghost hunter groups, you know, they they think that they need to know everything. Or, or Chris, there's always some psychic with them that basically is supposed to know everything or whatever, right. you know. So many of these guys call me and they ask me, you know, well, what do you see? What do you, you know, um, and I'll I'll tell them probably something that e- either is like the exact opposite of what somebody else said, which I don't even know what they said because I don't ask that first, mm-hmm. or I end up telling them something that sometimes they just don't want to hear.
0: But, exactly. You know, doesn't fit with the, uh, the script of what they had
1: yeah, well, intended for that. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, w- encountering real evil, you know, if you're not 100% healthy, or if you're not fully in God's hands, y- it can leave you devastated oh, yes. emotionally and mentally. Yes. You can get so depressed. You can get so wound out. You can get so exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, these things, a lot of these other entities out there that that are not demonic they just really usurp people's life force they just kind of feed on it you know they're attracted to this person or whatever for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and they just start you know just drawing energy from this person a lot of times these people think oh my spirit guides are what helped me do all this stuff and then 10 years down the road they look 20 years older And they have hardly any energy, they don't feel well, they're experiencing problems, and they start coming to me, and they say, you know, or God leads them to my website, and they find me, and I don't even advertise my website. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, I don't charge for what I do, I don't advertise the site, I don't, um, you know, I don't go to paranormal conventions and hang out with the crews and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) You know, I, I mean, I've only talked to John Zaffis once or so on the phone, um, you know, and he said, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm so thrilled to meet you. And I'm thinking, what? You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm nobody, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I was thrilled to meet him, you know. I,
0: right, you know, exactly. Yeah. And you know what, I mean, Sonia, what it, a lot of people don't understand about real evil, that the aim of real evil is corruption. True. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And even the person that thinks that they're badass or bad, you know. It's like you really don't know what the depths of mm-hmm. corruption, true evil you know, in other words, what it does and and it and it's very subtle and like you said, it it, it creeps up uh in different facets of your life, your health, all the things that normally uh, destroy they- hope in a person.
1: Yes, they de- it destroys, it's like you never, you feel like you'll never be happy again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It exactly. just sucks everything out of you. And you know, a lot of these people that belong to these secret societies, and they're into all this magic, and we're talking grown adult people that you would never dream in a million years would be running around doing spells, wearing robes, and all this craziness. Uh-huh. But I'll tell you, these people, they really reap what they sow. They don't realize it at the time. They're after power, they're after money, they're yeah. after control, or whatever. They belong to these, you know, old mystery schools or all mm-hmm. these different things like this, and they go after people. And But, you know, the destruction starts to happen with them, and it goes down through their family, Oh yeah. and it can carry through with them for many, many years, and, yes. you know, just ruin their lives, ruin everything uh, about them.
0: You yeah, know, I, people I don't realize sometimes stuff. that 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 uh, vows sometimes that you make mm-hmm. or your ancestors, you know, your ancestors make, do bind the family.
1: Well, you know, they say, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, God says that, you know, he he'll forgive the the sins of the fathers and all this stuff and remember them no more. Yes, but that's only if they repent
0: there you go. And if they
1: confess those yes. and they're penitent, truly penitent, then God forgives those sins and they they and he doesn't remember them anymore. But but if they don't if they're not penitent and they don't confess those and they they just uh wait until they're dying and they go, Well, you know, I'm kinda of sorry about all that stuff, you know, uh, let me go to heaven anyway. I, I don't really know how all that works. All I know is that there are still families out there dealing with the sins of the fathers, and there's things that come at them. And mm-hmm. these are totally innocent people. They have yeah, no idea. Yeah, that's what I saying. Sometimes
0: they're unaware.
1: They're yeah.
0: unaware.
1: They, and they'll call me up. Why is this happening to me? What did mm-hmm. I ever do? You know, right, yeah. I didn't do anything. I wasn't into this kind of stuff or that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Or why am I being you know, bombarded with this and that and other things? So, mm-hmm. You kind of have to research sometimes. It's just because the person is a really, really good soul, and they're being tested. Yeah. And other times it might be something coming back from lineage. Who knows?
0: I mean, there's a lie and I'm sure you better than anybody else sometimes know that it's a case-by-case basis. Absolutely. uh, Every case is different. Why certain things happen to certain people or to certain families or... Yep sometimes beyond one generation to the other um sometimes it was something done on purpose sometimes Mm -hmm. it was something not done on purpose but still with the same result um it
1: actually could be completely accidental yeah Mm -hmm. it can be completely accidental it's not i never judge as to why it happened i don't i may look for the cause of it but I don't ever tell people, "Oh, it's your fault because right. you did this or that," because it is not for me to do that.
0: No, you That never. Yeah. That kind of no. blame thing—that—that's that, not part of a solution uh, of any type, especially if you're trying to help it's, somebody. No. I mean, let's face it. That doesn't set the stage for, for you know, oh. like you said especially I imagine like you said if people are contacting you when maybe they're at their rope center they just have have, can't figure out why things have happened maybe in their own lives or in their family's lives that they're like okay I know something's going on I just don't understand what it is
1: well yeah and you know there's times where it's really not even spiritual Mm -hmm. it's just it's just that everybody's growing apart. Everybody, you know, things are just falling apart in other ways. I mean, you know, I do a lot of counseling uh, with people, and uh, a lot of there are quite a number of people that were they're They're noticing things on a seemingly spiritual level because their own personal grounding or their their solidness or whatever has started to show cracks underneath. So now they're starting to see the effects of it in different ways of disturbances, you know, within their home or their themselves or their minds or how they're thinking or whatever. But <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, goodness sake, I'm sorry. It's okay. But the uh, but the truth of the matter is that. There's so many other ways that people's lives can be affected mm-hmm. by just simply making wrong choices sure. or or having choices foisted upon them one way or the other. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't set the tone of the economy. The economy sets the tone of our lives. Right. Um, and, you know, there's so many different things that go on. And so, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I guess maybe that's one of the reasons I made sure I was well-educated so I would understand all these other factors. But, um, you know, I think when it's all said and done, if you stay close to God and you really love Him and you commit yourself to letting Him drive the car, so you give Him the keys, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let Him commit, commit yourself to letting Him really guide you through your life, um, no matter what else comes at you, God will always find a solution for it. And it might be at the last minute, you know, but he always finds a way to lead you out of that dark valley, you know. Yes. Um, And uh, I think uh, of all the things that I could tell people, just read the 23rd Psalm because where it says in there, he restoreth my soul. You know, he leadeth me through this valley. He restoreth my soul. That's probably the most important psalm to me in the entire Bible because it gives you, it tells you, yes, you're going through all this, but yes, you not only hope, but a promise. It's a promise, you know. And he'll lead you through this, and he'll bless you in ways you didn't even see coming or even thought were possible. But you have to keep your eyes on God. Don't don't put your attention all on the world and what it's throwing at you, because that's always a distraction. Just keep your eyes on God and just say, no matter what the world's doing, it, it's going to do it whether I'm yeah. mad at it or happy with it or what.
0: Exactly. You know. You
1: exactly. just keep your eyes on God. As and important as we think we are, it's like,
0: um, and, we, and by this, I don't mean to minimize because I do think that each individual person is important, but like mm-hmm. you said, some things are going to happen regardless of, um, what's going on with you or not. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you want to concentrate on yourself within, I mean, we don't live by ourselves, you know, you just, you don't want to cut off communication with the rest of humanity. But at the same time, really, the only one that you are in control of is yourself and your actions. That's right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, and and I think a lot of times people make the mistake of thinking that uh, if you're, if, if, let's say they, they believe that they're spiritually okay, what, Mm -hmm. whatever their belief system is. And by this, I don't mean anything that's dark that bad things don't happen or you run into problems or you run into stressful things. And it's like, that's, if you're here, this is, this, this is going to be part of your life. But like you said, I think that that hopefulness, that knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, some things are very stressful, like a couple of days, some things, depending on what's going on, it could be a question of days, months, sometimes even years, but to know always that you're going to, come out the other end, and you're going to be okay.
1: Exactly. I mean, the world throws stuff at me constantly, at me and my husband, you know, finances, this, that, the other thing, you know, illnesses, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, You know, I mean, I'm going to be 70 this year, you know. Uh, And the thing is, um, if if we put our attention on the world instead of God, we would find ourselves just overwhelmed in a minute. Yes, I
2: believe um,
1: that. Yeah, because, I mean, there's just really no way around that. I mean, uh, I don't know. I it, over, over the years, you know, I've, I've, there's been times where I got mad at God or that I got rebellious or of that, course. you know, he and I kind of came to a, complete misunderstanding of the terms because of me, not me, not him, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, but God, you know, God's very patient and, um, kind of leads me back, you know, uh, off my pity pot or wherever I'm at, <laughs> you know, it, you know, helps me see the truth, see the light again and, and, and realize that, uh, I just let the world, uh, distract me to the point where I just got, uh, Frustrated and, and angry and and whatever, um, you know. That's, that's the one thing, you know. If you just, I just keep my eyes on God and I put one foot in front of the other, and one day at a time. Absolutely. Sometimes down to one minute or one second at a time, depending Absolutely. on what I'm doing.
0: No, really, we do. Even though sometimes, especially now, in the 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 the, the thing, everybody wants to multitask. It's like oh, stop. Yeah. It's like, let's take it in a 24-hour increments. That's it. And put some sleep in there, by the way. Lots of yeah. sleep.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, if I, you know, if I get too intense, you know, if I'm out there working, I know that God will make sure I get the rest I need. He'll he'll make sure I have the energy I need and the strength I need and everything else I need to do with my job. When I come home, it's up to me to eat right. It's up to me to sure. sleep right. It's up to me to watch what I do every day and how much I do and, and everything else. If I want to stay on my feet and be of use to God, uh, so yeah, I think uh, we just have to uh, we just have to kind of look, uh, you know, at the heart of God and just know that that's that's the one anchor you know that will that will lead you back to home you know it's kind of like following the north star if you're in a boat you know mm-hmm. and it's just the one thing that keeps the rest of the ocean you know calm
0: and oh. you you get to sail through you know well it's 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 almost like um it's almost like what's in your heart is between you and the divine between you and god Mm -hmm. it's not what you do in front of people or when you've got an audience or it's like what do you do when nobody's watching when there are no witnesses do you do the right thing
1: absolutely true you know i i tell people all the time you know my my reverendship so to speak is it's secular it's just simply a legal protectionism situation for mm-hmm. my clients um, it, it's the le- you know it, even though it's a secular ordination it's right. legal in all 50 states it keeps me from having to talk about the people I see or the things that where I go or
0: right you know
1: um, to protect them but you know I'm not a minister per se I like a preacher I'm not mm-hmm. a preacher but the one thing that I can always offer people is God's love. Yeah. Because it's really God's love that's going to lead them out. It's God's love that gave, gives us the authority to deal with the demons in the first place and the devil. And it's God's love that leads us out of the trouble that we we find ourselves in. And we've all found ourselves there at one point or another.
0: Sure. Sure. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, uh sometimes it doesn't have to be a supernatural situation either Mm -mm. it just it's just no living in let's say in today's world you know there's a lots of pitfalls that can trip up a person emotionally psychologically uh mentally there's a lot of things that sometimes when especially if if um if you think that you don't see a solution in other words yeah yeah that kind of thing uh yeah it's 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 it's, for all all our technologies and advances which i like a lot by the way there's also a lot of pitfalls that have come with it as far as what it does to the human psyche and emotions and and everything that make us uh whole human beings
1: exactly you know every day they discover new things in medicine they discover new things here there whatever you know Mm -hmm. you know and uh when I was born in 1948, we didn't have a television. You know, <laughs> we yeah. didn't get a TV till I was 12 years old. Yeah. You know, so I mean, all of these different changes and things, uh, you know, you can you can fight, you live your world by fighting the world, right? And basically just spiral yourself right into a dark hole. Right. Or you can embrace what's going on in the world and just try to lift it up, you know, instead of, you know, letting, uh, you know, it's just kind of like fighting the bully, you know. Right, exactly. This
0: is like, this is where you're at, this is the moment you're living, uh, and it is what it is.
1: Yeah, you know, that's why I just said, I I just keep my eyes on God and put one foot in front of the other. Exactly. You know, and if I need my website, you know, I used to build websites i can't do it now because
0: i i can't possibly keep up with the technology no that's the thing i know, technology speeds right along it's like sometimes yeah, it's like what no. they're changing that again it's like are you kidding me yeah i know and let's let's yeah. face it as humans beings we're just just as by our nature even the younger generations by our nature we're resistant to change so I, I think that's why that's there's a lot of stressed out people walking around even young people I mean, for all that they're like onto everything yeah there's sometimes so much change I think is is uh what stresses people out so much but you that's know, that's that's another show <laughs> anyway Sonia You're thank you so, so so much for spending this You're time welcome. it has been absolutely wonderful I love talking to you because um your perspective your experience um that story that you were telling about what happened with you and Juarez that's like I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know, man, I think I would have been like, uh, I think I'm going home now. <laughs> I would have been out of there. Trust me. I don't Trust want to do me. this anymore.
1: It's not that the thought didn't occur to me, Marlene, it just it did, <laughs> but at the same time, I knew. I know,
0: I, I know. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm saying it's like, you're a brave lady, Stop. because I would have been like, What? Uh, and people uh, you know, following me and oh my god I forget I would have been a nervous wreck
1: well I'll tell you what you know there was a lot of anxiety and I have to say but you know at the same time it's like you know like like my dad said I'm just too stubborn to quit I just you know yeah but still I mean I'm, I'm glad
0: gonna, it had a good ending and the sense that you were able to do and, and see it through to yeah. the end and everything but still god that must have been like god it's like I'm not, I, and I don't want to exaggerate because some people think of what you're describing as, well, you know, it was just metaphysical. And it's like, that wasn't just metaphysical. That that, that was dangerous in and of itself. But it, there's it another, it's like, yeah. these these people were probably thinking, how are we going to get rid of her? We can't scare yes. her off.
1: Oh, well, my they God. tried poisoning me.
0: See? Mm-hmm. See what I mean? <laughs> was...
1: Yeah, they tried that. You know, they. I, I was brought a plate... When i was we were finishing up, and we were doing the blessing, and I was brought a plate and and this uh, little kid came over and brought me this plate, and he said, "Well, Mom wants you to have a plate. she wanted to fix it for you and everything." And I knew his mother was a burha who is now with the other side. And uh, I just told him, i said, "I said, "Well, thank you, tell her, thank you so much, but I'm just really not hungry." You know, but I knew right away. I knew right away." Because it, you know, you just—it's that—that's like where God comes in. You know, um, I saw him bringing the food up. I knew immediately that she had doctored it somehow, and I just thought, you know, I'm not that hungry. I—I I think I'll—I'll I'll make it the rest of the day. And you know, yeah, um, you know, but yeah, you know, that—that's the thing. God was on watch the whole time because otherwise. I was starving. I probably
0: was <laughs> eating that food. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's like, but still see, that's what I'm but, saying. I'm saying uh, that there was an actual physical real danger to you. That's that's the part mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Besides what was going on on the metaphysical spiritual level. Oh, truly. Okay, yeah. There was actual physical danger for you. And that's oh, the yes, part definitely. that I was like, I, I've been like... I would have been a real crybaby, is what I'm saying. I been a- well, I can tell you
1: some of the private conversations that Todd and I had during that whole 10 days, you know, it was, uh, you know, when when we were going to do the final blessing of the, not the final blessing, but the final of that 10 days there over the clinic, and a lot of the people showed up. I mean, there were a lot of, there were hundreds of people there. Uh, I don't even know how many people all I know is that a lot of them were the other st- were the students of Francisco originally, and also students that had gone over to the other Brujo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Todd was Todd and I was Todd was sitting on Francisco's desk, and I was sitting in the chair in front of it. And he said, "I said, what you looking at?" And He said, "All these Brujos and Brujos coming in here." He said, "There." He said, uh, "He just looked at me." He said, "I think we're the talk of the town, Sonia." He said, "Here we go, you know," and. You know, he and I just looked at each other for a minute, and both of us were thinking, if we had both known what was going to ha- take place, would we have still come? We were actually thinking that in our heads. Yeah. And he looked at me, and he, we didn't even say it out loud. We were, at this point, we were like thinking each other's thoughts almost. Yeah. He just looked at me, and he said, yeah, I, I had to come. And I said, me too. And he said, well, let's go finish it. And I said, okay. And we walked out the door. but but
0: i'll tell you it was yeah
1: believe me we thought it we did
0: you know Uh, okay well you know what like i said i'm glad that had a happy ending and that was resolved but nonetheless uh hats off to you well thank
2: you you were very brave Um,
0: sonia again thank you so much and uh i want to wish you the best of luck i hope you write that other book i would love to uh to bring you back on and we can discuss it because oh my god I can imagine you must you've got several books inside of you waiting to be written
1: I do I do yeah I really do there's you know and uh I've got one just of shorter cases and things that I've been working on too okay. and stuff you know and uh so yeah there's a lot of things I really need more time to write
0: Yes, that's you know, the thing,
1: and uh, the that would be nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I absolutely, I believe me, I, I absolutely know where you're coming from. It's one of those things. It's like you know what they say about good intentions, but yeah, the writing mm-hmm. of a book it can be time-consuming. From
1: well, if you're going to do it right, you bet. Oh that, yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. You know,
1: I'll tell you, if it wouldn't have been for that Grammarly program to finish my book, I could have never finished it because every time I was trying to personally edit it, I got so emotionally involved, mm-hmm. I couldn't even, I, I I just lost all sense of uh, uh, writing ability. But once I got the Grammarly program, I was able to sit back dispassionately and, and look at it and enroll. And, and um, but, you know, uh, that was, uh, you know, that that's that was what it took to finish and um I was really glad for that because then I didn't really have to feel it. I could just write it. You know what I mean? I could, yeah, well, I could edit. Know, there's always a practical cleanly.
0: aspect to it, but yeah it's a it's a especially when you're recounting something like what you're you know, what was inside uh, that book. Uh, it just
1: just the memories alone were just overwhelming.
0: Okay, Sonia, so again, I want to wish you the best mm-hmm. of luck. Again, thank you so much. It has been wonderful, wonderful, absolutely wonderful to speak to you.
1: Well, thank on your show, and I really appreciate it. No,
0: absolutely. It was my pleasure. Totally my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.
1: Well, you take care of yourself and have a good time, and um, God bless and keep you safe.
0: Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. oh wow let me tell you something talk about an engrossing story you know what (laughs) if you saw this on a show you think that's how as a matter of fact i was thinking when we were talking about that thing about supernatural i'm thinking you know of course sam and dean they're nice looking young men that drive around in this great looking older automobile all over the united states but in a way, Sony is kind of like a supernatural, but the, 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 the real world supernatural. Think about it. okay? And you know, I'm glad you pointed out the obvious, which was a lot of people dabble in the paranormal or dabble calling themselves demonologists or dabble in the dark, thinking that they could take it on, and they really don't know what they're doing they don't know and I really do hope she writes the book about I mean not the one about the cases other cases she's had but about what's involved in this work because as you could tell even when she was young and she had this calling she had a really hard time finding a source of somebody that would guide her or just give her an answer give her a straight answer it wasn't until it sounds like she was a teenager that she kind of like moved in the right direction with it or you know had somebody that says okay uh, I'm gonna instruct you and um and I wasn't kidding <laughs> I think that what would be great if she wrote that book would be not only to convince people if they're on the right track but for others that have this I don't know what they've got going on in their head give them like a reality check and say this is not what you think it is and they might say you're right And coming from somebody like her with all these years and all these experiences, hopefully they'll say, you know what? This is not what I thought it was. Forget it. Uh, Not for me. Because (laughs) this is not the type of work that you want to find out when you're right in the middle of it that I don't want to do this anymore. It's not. And I've said this before in other shows. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen in the metaphysical or supernatural world that don't have to be totally malevolent or dark or demonic. But there's always a possibility. And she she said it. You know, when you have a vortex or you have a person that attracts uh, ghosts or spirits or whatever you want to call it, uh, it's almost like uh, a beacon sometimes to demonic forces to find out what's going on with this person. Are they pure? Uh, are, do, do, do they have the ability of connecting to the other side? And the reason I think that that happens is that they're hoping they're going to come across somebody that number one doesn't know how to protect themselves or that they can fool which is what they do, uh, you know. You've heard a lot of these stories about people that uh, uh, get into the Ouija board. Which the, the Ouija board, in and of itself, is not the bad thing. It's people that sometimes have really good abilities, not knowing what they're doing, and then what they actually uh, accept or invite in sometimes is they're unprepared to deal with it. And I think that's where where she was saying that sometimes. Um, people that are surrounded sometimes by spirits that that they they might get in other words they, they get the attention that they really don't want and that's what I'm saying I hope she writes this book because let me tell you something, that was a really good explanation about what can happen um, to somebody that gets involved with this and also what she was talking about those masks yeah, I, and i and i said as a matter of fact in the previous show to this one about uh black magic that's done to bind souls to objects uh that that can be done that's that's exactly what she was describing uh where he, he had gone to all these different countries and different religious beliefs where they had exactly done that okay they had exactly done that they had bound a soul into that object into that mask and a lot of times they use it for divination. They use it sometimes to be used against an enemy. I mean, there's a lot of different things. But ultimately, what you're talking about is you're binding a human soul out of, to be out of the presence of God, of the divine. And I think that's the worst thing that one human being can do on purpose, by the way. If you have a soul that's lost their way between the transition from the death of their body into ascending and going into the presence of the divine that you take advantage of this soul or sometimes the soul those are dead but they got things going on that haven't worked out yet what whatever the reason okay that um that does happen and i'm glad she brought that up because a lot of people don't think that that is done but it can be done uh so anyway i thought that was a super interesting I know it's been a long uh, interview, but wow! Believe me, this was a real eye opener for anybody out there uh, that is interested in this or wants to know more about it uh, or the reality of it. Uh, Pick up her book, you know. Visit her website. I I, I've got the link. It's going to be um, on the credits of the show. But just in case, because I forgot to ask her, it's uh, www.getridofghosts.com. That's Sonia's website. If you want to visit her website, that's how you go about it. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for viewing. Subscribe to my channel or the podcast, however it is that you're uh, listening or seeing this show, so that you get notified when I release a new show. My true believers, please do not forget to... Go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com Go to the Submit Your Story tab and I want to hear about your story. I, I really do. Whatever it is. It doesn't have to be long. It can be short. It could be a bunch of them. Uh, just go ahead and uh, get a hold of me and we'll figure out how you can relay those stories to me. Catch me on Facebook and on Twitter. I use Periscope to live stream on Twitter. And... Um, I again i want to thank you so much for coming back and watching all these shows and uh believe me i've got a lot of fantastic wonderful guests a lot of fantastic interesting shows coming up which i know that you're going to love but in the meantime till the next time take care you're wonderful
2: see ya